welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Leland, it's all been leading up to this. This is the big week. They've tied the streak already. This week they go to break the streak and be in sole possession at 53, but they got to get through the toughest opponent they've had maybe the last two years or during the streak period, Lord Botetot. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you've broken down a Riverheads game or projection without talking about Lord Botetot. And so, yeah, it's timely. It's finally here for it. Um, you know, last week they ran through Perry McClure. And as you said, I think last week in the podcast and last you said on Friday night on 1240, where you will be able to hear the game again this week, um, you know, they ran over Perry McClure as expected. The big news that came out of that was Caden Cook Cash was apparently a little bit bothered by an injury. I think they just held him out after that just to make sure he didn't get more bothered. Um I have not heard anything about any of the the names that we're used to hearing forever heads not playing this week. So that's good. And it was take care of business against Perry McClure, but you know, everybody is excited about this game. So let's, because there's so much on this game, there's so much just, just winning the football game because of competitiveness and any given week, this is a big one, but then there's all the history and we'll get to that in a minute, but here's a team that Riverheads went down and played. And it, I think, knew that Riverheads was a good team, knew that Riverheads was going to be, you know, pretty tough. I think they still surprised them last year. So will Lord Botetot have anything to be surprised about this year? Or will they come in with a game plan that is better suited to beat Riverheads? Will they mentally be ready for Riverheads to do what Riverheads does to a team? And that's play for four full quarters, no doubt. I mean, they do it every single week. And run, run, run and be very successful while they're doing it. And, you know, in the little bit of film that I've been able to see from highlights and whatnot of them playing EC Glass and them playing Blacksburg, two very different games that different results for those games. They lost EC Glass at home, then they hammered Blacksburg at home, is that they're very much more committed to the run. They're packing everybody inside. They're not spreading it all out and running. They're packing everybody in. And they look like we're just going to run down your throat. And that is a familiar phrase to be thrown at a, a team in this game. Uh, but it's, it, you know, it wasn't Lord Botetot. This is what we're used to seeing Riverheads do. So, you know, how will Riverheads take on a team that's kind of coming with the style that they try to bring? And, and is, is Lord Botetot good enough at that to beat Riverheads doing that? You know, are, are they used to that? Are they, do they have the personnel that meet up to that? So I, I think just the storylines are everywhere. But even in just the looking at this game as a as two teams competing that are are good, solid state programs that are used to getting to December to play football, you know, how do they match up? How do the X's and O's go? What what happens on that field? And all the history and everything will take care of itself. It'll either keep going or end or, you know, something like that. But, I, you know, this is going to be a fun game to watch just because of the matchups. You got Jakari nicely at quarterback on one side who's going to run the ball a lot. You got Caden Cook Cash and a slew of others on the other side for Riverheads. And let's just go at it. Well, and I think that's going to be the interesting thing, right? Last year, they, Lord Botetot was more balanced. But also, I think one of the reasons they tried to throw the ball a little bit more was they weren't necessarily winning the battle up front, which surprised both you and I. Because they definitely are bigger than Riverheads up front. But they were not winning that battle, which... I think, honestly, that's what the, 
Friday night's going to come down to. If Lord Botatak can do better in the trenches, Lord Botatak's going to have a fun time because they absolutely outweigh Riverheads. But they did not use that to their advantage. They, for whatever reason, couldn't stop Riverheads. Maybe it's Riverheads is just quicker. And I will say, what the size Riverheads does have on that line, it's not fat. It's muscle. And maybe they pushed them around a little bit. And I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, I'm very excited. People who listen to this podcast or listen to us on Friday Night Snow, every week I get on there and say Riverheads by 28, Riverheads by 35, Riverheads by 42. That's not happening this Friday. I'm excited. Last year I thought Lord Bonnetop by 21, and it didn't happen. They ended up getting beat by almost that much. Um, maybe a little more. I can't remember the exact score. But I'm excited. I, I think this is going to be a phenomenal ball game on Friday night. 62-38 is the answer to your question. Okay. So, yeah, almost <laughs> yeah, almost 21. Um, but. 24. I, th- I think this is going to be a phenomenal game, and, uh, you know, I-, I can't wait. This is, if the streak is going to end this year, it's going to be on Friday night. And if it doesn't, then Riverheads will run it until, I don't know, i got to see the schedule for the next two years after this year's. <laughs> uh, so last year, the big names that there was talk a lot of talk about coming from Lord Botetot was the Hunter McLean kid on the line who ended up going to Virginia Tech. Gunner Gibbons, that was the number one name last year. He went to Virginia Tech to play defensive line. Um, their quarterback, K.J. Bratton, the starting quarterback, he was good. He had 18 carries, 127 yards and a touchdown. He had 50% passing for 200 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, he was impressive. But I honestly thought the quarterback that they still have, Jakari Nicely, he was the more explosive player for them last year in this game. They played both quarterbacks. They'd have them both on the field at the same time. I, and I think that was good. I think that was good decisions. I actually thought Jakari Nicely was the more explosive of the two at the quarterback position. He is the starting quarterback this year as a junior, and, and he's going to be doing it all for them. I mean, he's, he's good on defense too, but he's going to run the football a lot, and they're going to use that to their advantage to when they want to go throw it. Riverheads is likely going to be expecting him to be running forward. So he's going to be a problem. Now, I've seen Riverheads handle a quarterback like him before, but – not necessarily the size up front pushing people around at the same time. So that mixture, that formula that Lord Bonatot has, you know, I, I always say to beat Riverheads, you, you can't just run, you can't just throw, you got to do it all. This kid's capable of that. This offense has the personnel to do that. Now their game plan does look very run centric, but what passing comes out of that, that maybe I haven't seen, or, you know, I, I have not studied film. I know coach Norcross is going to study everything he can. This is the same Harless that Coach Harless from Lord Botetourt will be studying everything on Riverheads. He can. I I just I'm very interested because last year we had all these questions, but then we got there and it didn't go the way we thought. I don't know what better I know than last year. I still have a lot of questions because I think Lord Botetourt's offense is a bit different. Uh, a lot of those star names are gone. I mean, even the depth from last year is gone. There's a lot of this is a junior led team. I mean, there's some seniors that are have an impact for this team, but they're a junior led team. So we really don't have a whole lot of stats, a whole lot of knowledge on what these guys are going to do. So I, I, I come into this game still with a lot of questions. Do I think Riverheads can win? Yes. But I think Lord Botetourt can win too. Both teams are capable of winning this game. Not something we say every week for a Riverheads game. So I'm just excited to get there. Something I never say going into a Riverheads game is both teams are capable of winning. Um, But I, I also think Matt Hatfield, who we had on a couple weeks ago, said this, and I think he's exactly right. I don't think we're going to see 100 points put up. I just don't think we're going to see a 100-point game this this year. Neither team is going to be getting near 600 yards of offense, I don't think. So 
I think it's going to be a much more low scoring game. And I'm not sure who that favors, to be honest. Like, I think both teams have good defenses. I think both teams have great offenses. Both teams are going to look to run the ball a lot more this year. And I think for that reason, you're going to see the number on the scoreboard go down. Yeah, I think I think teams will have to march in this game. I don't mm-hmm. think we're going to be seeing those 60-yard runs. I don't think we'll see Luke Bryant, who is Luke Bryant, you know, running right. around the corner and getting touchdowns like we did last year. We all everybody knows who Luke Bryant is now. Everybody knows Kane Cook Cash, they did last year too. Um, yeah, I think both teams are going to have to march. Um, but even if one team rips one off, I, I don't think that t- like is the first indicator that it's going to go that way. I think I think Riverhead's going to play four quarters of football, and I'm interested to see if, if Lord Botetot will. Yep. Because I just wonder if they get through two and a half quarters and say, dang, they're not going away. Because I, I feel like that's what happened last year. And I think a lot of the guys that were on the front lines of doing that last year are gone. So I, I just wonder if these kids have to learn that lesson too, or did they learn from watching it last year or the ones that were involved, you know, making sure the ones that are new to it understand. And so it – it's going to be stars everywhere, you know, and I felt that last year. I think I think some names will get made in this game that maybe we're not as aware of and uh, on both sides. So I, I think it'll be fun. All eyes are on Riverheads this week. Um, and I, and I, I'm excited about it. I, I, that's what that's what you're here for is the big games. And, you know, with Riverheads run, it's been there's been a lot of games that should be big games that really aren't big games. Cause you just are that confident in it. And, and that's because of the history they made. And, and we need to talk about the history that they made. So with that in mind, let's bring on Patrick height to talk about the history of this game. We we've talked about, you know, what the specific game means, but that goes into some history here that Riverheads is already on top of the list for the VHSL consecutive games. One, record tied with Phoebus. So they're, they're on top of the record book, but going for their own, but Patrick, thanks for coming on and, you know, talking about kind of Riverheads place in history as is and, and where that, what could happen on Friday to uh, make it go further. Well, they're, they're place in history. I mean, they, they, no matter what happens Friday night, they're, they're solid in where they are in history, right? I mean, they, they've got the record for consecutive state championships with six. And let's face it, most people think it's going to be seven after after this year. And the consecutive, as you said, I've, I've been telling people, oh, okay, they've got the record. I mean, yeah, you want to beat Lord right. Bottletop. You want to have that record to yourself. But even if they lose, they're still top of the record book. They're, they're tied, but they're still there. And, and that's uh, something that I've said also this week is like, you know, knowing it's a tough game and knowing that Riverheads has the capability of losing this game. This isn't one of those games where the bus shows up and it's over kind of, kind of like last week, you know, that kind of thing. You know, this is a very, a game in the balance, no doubt. And uh, if the streak does end this week, I I don't mind having to say Phoebus's name in the same breath as Riverheads because Phoebus is one of the greatest all-time programs in the state. And and up until these last couple of years, I, I had them on a pedestal and, I think it was like a state championship or two ago before I kind of accepted, well, yeah, you know, my, my Riverheads, you know, I'm the homer here, uh, you know, they're on the same level as all these teams that have won three or four straight, you know, three straight at the time. It was Highland Springs and Phoebus and all that. And so, you know, it, it, it kind of woke me up to that. But, uh, yeah, I, it doesn't, that doesn't take anything away from me as an alum. And even, as, even if it wasn't Riverheads, even if it was another local school that was doing this or I was from a different school, I, I still think I would respect it like the same if they're tied or if they're one ahead, it's, it's, it's just a great record 
Um, and it's not one of those like, you know, how many games won straight on a Thursday, you know, when the weather is sunny, where you have to have all this criteria. It's basic. Go out there and win every single week. They've done it 52 straight times. That's tied for most of the That's amazing. So, like, it, yeah, it'd be nice to have the record on its own, but I, I still think I'm going to be just as proud of this that either they pay, pass Phoebus or they're tied with Phoebus. It's just kind of in the same realm for me in my mind. 52 wins in a row. I mean, that's just, it's amazing to even think about that. And, you know, I know there are the Riverheads haters out there who will say, well, you know, they did it in class one, but I mean, they're in a district with class three teams and class two teams. They, they beat Lord Botetite by almost 30 points last year. I mean, they have beaten really good teams throughout this streak. They play they, less and, class one teams during the regular season. They play other they divisions. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I don't care who you're playing, what teams you're playing, 52 games in a row is amazing. Because at some point you figure you're going to stumble. You're going to have an off night. You're, you're just going to have that game where where you turn the ball over one too many times and somebody takes advantage. I mean, they, they almost had that, what, Stewart's draft, you know, almost beat them. That's the one team that really came yeah, super close to beating them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and and that was the game. And, then, you know, I know Galax was was within a touchdown in the championship game. Caswell so, I mean, played there's, up in that Yeah, that's right. Caswell was right there. So, I mean, there's a couple of games, three or four games where they could have could have lost. And to, to be able to just never lose in, in that streak is just – it's simply amazing. And so no matter what happens, I know everybody in Riverheads Nation wants them to win, wants them to have the record to themselves. And, and that would be amazing too. But hey, whatever happens, they this their their place in history is 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 solidified. So well, I mean, look, when you look at this what this team has accomplished and everything else, Patrick, I guess during this streak, what is one of the games that leaps out to you? I know we just mentioned a few of them, and maybe the answer is in there, of most impressive wins during the streak so far. You, you know what? I, I don't know. Maybe because it's so recent in memory, but but kind of go back to that Lord Botetot game last year because that's the game where I think a lot of, even Riverheads fans thought, eh, this is where it ends. You know, we... It's a really good program. We got to go to Lord Botetot. Maybe this is where it ends. And and I think not only the fact that Riverheads won that game, but that they won it the way they did. And I know it was close for a while, and then they pulled away at the end. But to win it the way they did was just so impressive. Um, so I, that game sticks out to me as as one of the, the the big games in this streak, just because of of what people thought might happen and what ended up happening in, in that game. And then, uh, you know, I mean, you could say all the state championship games. I know they, you know, the one at home was amazing. The one uh, on a Saturday at home in first of May. I mean, that was crazy. Awesome. Yeah. To win a state championship at football yeah. in May and, but to win it on your home field in front of your fans that, that have been so supportive of this program and travel so well when they go to Salem to win it on the home field in front of those fans, that, that was special. That, that had to be special. I think, um, to to everybody in the Riverheads program too. So there's there's a lot of games that 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 were big, but I don't know. It's just something about that Lord Botetourt game last year and the way they won it. Uh, just was was simply, um, they, you know, I, I I just don't think anybody no nobody even the, the Riverheads fans who thought they could win that game did not think they were going to win it in that fashion. So. Right. Sure. Right. Yeah. Putting that many points up. This streak started on September twenty second, twenty eighteen. Uh, that was a gap, the beaten gap, forty-two to seven. 
And uh, so this will be this Friday will be just shy of four years, and we'll see if it gets past that four-year mark, probably depending on what happens Friday. Um, you know, other streaks kind of running along right now with this. The last time Riverheads lost to a Class 3 team, it was 2010 to Stewart Straft. Uh, that was the year Riverheads went on to win their third state championship. So that was a bit ago, 12 years ago. Uh, the last Riverheads home loss was 2014 against Keen William. That was a playoff game, uh, ended that season. Uh, that was the last time Riverheads didn't appear in a state championship game. Or no, no, no. Uh, I guess the next year they when they went to um, Giles. Uh, Riverheads, um, no, I'm wrong about that. That was the last time they lost a non-state championship game. Uh, Riverheads, home regular season loss, 2012. That was to Wilson. That was that 14-10 game. I, I know you covered that one, Patrick. So, I mean, that's a lot of, like, different – that's a little – nitpicky scenarios i said we we're getting away from that with 52 but this is a long time that riverheads has just continued to win you know at home and 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 go in i mean how many big games they play and they just continue to win um it's all on the line this week um but no program does better at you know wiping away the outside pressure and don't listen to the outside noise and focus just on you know winning this ball game one game at a time no program does that better than riverheads i mean their coaches speak it but also you know preach preach it but they also show it they also do it they live it and so i i I just don't see the weight of this being that heavy on the players it's there but it's just not as heavy as it could be in other situations and and, i mean obviously the coaching change there is a coaching change and i know this is the coaching staff is pretty much intact from from last year but you don't have robert casto there so so you know i think there's some people that will wonder how much how much did Robert Casto have to do with the fact that this team was able to, to kind of tune all that out and 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 not feel the pressure in the big games? Um, and will that make a difference? At this point, I don't think it does. I think Ray Norcross has done a tremendous job and really has just kind of picked up where Robert Casto left off and, and just carried it on. But, you know, if you want to look at anything, there, that is a change. That is a change from, from last year. Um, and... I'm curious to see if, if that'll be a difference now or, you know, later, you know, get a year or two down the road. Will that be, will that be a difference for this program? But, but you're right. I, I think you're, you're right. They've been able to tune out all the, the noise over the past few years. Uh, there, there's no reason to believe they can't do that again Friday night. One more question about Riverheads and just the streak before we move on to other local football. I want to ask you, Patrick, you know, Leland and I have already talked about the game, but I kind of want to get your opinion. You know, do you think the streak lives on? <laughs> um, you know, I, Put I you on the spot. I know, I, I know Leland I said we wouldn't they, ask you, but I, I kind of thought, I was like, no, we got him on here. Let's ask I him. do think they win Friday night. Um, I think it'll be a close game. I really don't think it'll be this. I don't think it'll be the spread that it was a year ago. I, I think we'll go into the fourth quarter and this will still be very much a tight game and a toss up, but I, I, I don't know. I'm at the point now. I just, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to bet against Riverheads. <laughs> Everything I have seen them accomplish. I would be crazy to say they're going to lose this game. They may, they Lord Bonitat is a, a great program and, and may very well come in and beat them, but I'm not going to be the person to say that that's going to happen. I'm, 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 I've seen Riverheads just do just simply amazing things over the last over the last 20 some years, but, but over the last, over this streak, over the last four years, 
why do I think anything's going to change? So, so yeah, if you're, I, I'll say uh, Riverheads wins this game by, you know, I don't know, 10 points. Wow. Okay. Um, well, there's another area of football team that we're used to seeing succeed. And it looks like this year is no different. Despite some of the question marks coming in, Stewart's draft looks as good as they ever have. I'm not going to go there. I I think they look really good. I think their defense looks good. I think their offense has some question marks. I really think that's fair. They're going to have to, uh, and, and you know, I mean, maybe you can say that their offense had a few question marks even, even last year, but I mean, losing Aaron nice is big. Um, um, I, I think Smith has stepped in and done a good job. I, I think Troy Thompson, you know, he has had to, I talked to him after the game last week, he's just learning to play running back and, <laughs> And so he's got to kind of figure that role out. Um, you know, uh, Graber at quarterback, it does okay, but they're not at this point, they don't look like really a threat to pass the ball against you a whole lot. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's some question marks on that offense, but this team has built their identity on defense over the last few years. And I think their defense is just as good as it has been. And it's good enough to keep them in games. The, the question is, will their offense be good enough? down the stretch to, to win those games if they're in them. Now they've got, here's the great thing about Stewart's draft. They got two good kickers. I mean, two mm-hmm. really, really good kickers. How many high school programs want one good kicker? Yeah. And they have two kickers that battle it out every week to, to go out there. So uh, if it is a close game and you need to send a field goal kicker out there, I, I think Stewart's draft is comfortable doing that. So, well, I want to ask you about that because you mentioned the the passing game and they're not really a team that wants to pass. Has that kind of surprised you? Because I, I know Leland and I feel the same way. I think Graber is actually capable of being used a lot more than he is. And it even in that Waynesboro game on Friday, it kind of felt like this is a situation maybe you want to pass. And Stuart Straff wouldn't let him take chances down the field. You know, because I've seen him throw the ball well. I did not see that. The couple of passes I've seen him throw this year, they don't look great but i think he has the talent and i think if you're draft you might need that if come playoff time you might mm-hmm. need his arm so why not try that now why not you're right why not against waynesboro see what he's got um because yeah you're gonna you're might you're gonna need that down the stretch you don't have Aaron nice this year so you're, you might need that passing game a little more um so yeah I, i'm with you on that I'm, I'm i'm a little curious why they haven't thrown the ball more but Nathan Floyd and that staff, they're yeah, they're a conservative group. They they want to continue to run the ball as much as possible. So while I think maybe they should throw the ball a little more, I'm, it doesn't really surprise me they they haven't. Looking at another team, I, I believe you've been at their games these last two weeks. Waynesboro, they lost the last two weeks. Uh, they are very willing to pass. Uh, what's your outlook? Maybe a little too much, but yeah, yeah maybe maybe too much. Uh, what is your outlook? I, I think that's a topic that we come to on Friday nights, and Joe and I talk about it here. What's your outlook? You've seen them the last two weeks in games that you probably didn't predict they'd win anyway. What's your outlook the rest of uh, the regular season on? Yeah, it's probably similar to what it was last year. Where I don't think we had this outlook last year. I think they surprised a lot of people last year, but I think. Right now, you're right. They got out of those two games that that not too many people expected them to win. I thought maybe they'd have a little better showing against Riverheads uh, than they did. And that's maybe that's crazy talk. No, nobody has really good showings against Riverheads, but they didn't look real good in that game. Um, they haven't used Ryan Barber a, a lot, and I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. You know, I the 
they're they haven't really talked. I mean, is there is there an injury question? I, I just don't know because he was so dynamic last year, and this year it just seems like all they want to do is throw the ball. And um, I, you know, they got a good passing game, and and I think maybe if Foster hadn't gotten hurt uh, against Stewart's draft, maybe you know, maybe the, I don't know if it's a, a different outcome, but maybe that's a a little more competitive game because he caught a couple of big passes on that touchdown drive they had. Um, so, but I think if, as far as the rest of the season goes, I think Greensboro will be fine. I, I, yeah. I think they got, I like what the coaching staff has done there. Um, I, I, they've got talent and really looking at the district and looking at, you know, the teams they play in the Valley. I'm not sure they're, they're not going to face too many other teams as good as Riverheads and as good as Stewart's draft. Uh, the rest of the way. So I think, well, I think Wageboard will be fine. Let me ask you this. Um, I am sure Coach Jarvis and the Waynesboro coaches and players would say they didn't go into these games thinking they couldn't win. But do you think maybe some of the game plan is we did use Ryan Barber a lot last year and he had a ton of carries. And these are two games that were kind of outmatched. Like, let's save up some of that workload for some of the games that maybe are more reachable and attainable uh that's that's possible um i, I i'm i'm you know, i guess we'll find that out here in the next the next few weeks right i i do think that's that's I possible just, i don't um, think these coaches are conceding anything i just don't, i think they go in and play riverheads and they want to beat them i, I don't think okay but when you're down when you're down 21 to nothing like or 21 to seven they and it's gotten zero, away from zero. you they weren't running the ball at zero zero so i, I Exactly. They were down and, six nothing. Well, but they were up seven to six in that game, right? And and at that point, not running it, not running it. So <laughs> from that standpoint, yeah, maybe they. And, and when you're up seven six and the fans are getting behind you, but what happened when know. it was seven to six? Riverheads got the ball, ran it right down your throat, and was Riverheads, Riverheads had two big runs, right? Yeah, Kirk Cash took a big run, and and then Luke Bryant took it the rest of the way. And Riverheads does what Riverheads always does, just demoralizes the other team. And, and then that was the rest of the game. Like, that was it. Yeah, no. The game was over I, at halftime, Leland. It was 40-14 or I understand what you're saying, Leland, that coaches don't go in saying we're going to lose. I, yeah. I, I do think in the back of their mind, they do think going to the Riverheads games thinking they're going to lose. They're never going to tell the players that. But how many coaches go in and thinking we can beat unless you were Stewart's draft the year that, you know, that was 10 to seven and Stewart's draft was a really good team. Maybe then the coaching staff goes in and says, we can beat you, but most teams aren't going to go in and think. Stewart's draft was beating Riverheads last year in the first half, first time they met. Like, they did. No, always think they're going to be Riverheads. Yeah. So, but Stewart's draft has proven that they can play with Riverheads. And so I think that they're confident. Nobody else is really in this area has proven that they can play with Riverheads. And so I, I'm not I, sure how confident coaches really are going into that game. They're going to tell the players are confident. I'm not sure they're really that. I think I think it's more what you're seeing with what Waynesboro did against Riverheads, particularly is more just freaking themselves out of like what what do we have to do different to beat this team? You know, we can't we got to you know be bigger than our body to win this game. So we'll just you know pass it all day, and they're not expecting that. I think they overthink the room. But isn't that yeah, kind I mean, of we know we can't win, so we got to do something wild and crazy? I, I just they think they're going to win while they're doing it. <laughs> they've thrown the ball away. I just think they've thrown the ball away too much. And, and I agree. Coach Jarvis knows a lot more about football than I do. So I'm not going to question Coach Jarvis. But, but I've just watched them and thought, you know, they're, they're a good throwing team. But I think there has to be more of a balance for them to be right. successful. And I think maybe we'll see more of that balance in the weeks to come. 
so back in back out of it, the bigger news or not bigger news, but the big news surrounding the game of high school sports lately. And then everybody concentrates on football with it. Um, but it does affect all the sports is all the classification talk. And uh, the biggest news locally was Riverheads getting to class two. And there was the other notes, you know, Fort Defiance coming to class two and some stuff like that. But Riverheads appealed, got the appeal denied. Apparently, they're going to put in for another appeal. I think I saw per your um, That's what their AD, their AD, I asked their AD if, if they were going to appeal. And he said his simple email back to me was, yes, sir. So, <laughs> so they were yeah. planning on appealing. I, although I find it hard to believe. I, I don't know the inner workings of the VHSL, but I find it hard to believe that if you have an appeals committee and they deny that appeal, right. that the executive committee would overturn that. Unless there was just something obvious that the appeals committee missed, which there wasn't, I just don't see the executive committee deciding to overturn that. And one of the big factors with that also was there's a bunch of schools that were right around where Riverheads is on uh, numbers, and they all appealed. So, like, I, I almost got it. At, once I saw that, I was like, okay, they're one of, you know, six schools all together, all appealing, trying to basically bring that line down. And they're not trying to be left out of that situation. But once it gets denied, like it did, I think, for all of them, maybe, maybe one of them got to stay, but all the rest of them got denied. I, I don't know. I just it, I'm also coming from the side of I, I wherever the numbers puts them, go play. I don't I don't care. And I know a lot of people on the Riverhead side of things that feel the same way. So I'm surprised there's going to be a second appeal. But um, I, I just didn't know what kind of talk you had heard throughout the county or, you know, maybe even at a school board meeting that I'm missing. Uh, you know, I didn't know what you've heard that I haven't. I don't think I've heard anything that you haven't. I, I mean, I think it's, I, I, Riverheads is going to gonna appeal, then the executive committee will make their decision. But at this point, I'm, like I said, I, I just don't yeah. see the executive committee overturning that. Um, and, and then as far as the fans talk, you've heard all of that, right? The, the, the non-Riverheads people are like, go, go play in class two. That's where you belong. Go play there. And the Riverheads fans are saying exactly what you said. This isn't just about football, right? It's going to, if, if it, it, I don't, it's not going to hurt the football program. The, the football program is not going to run off six state championships in a row in class two, but they'll be competitive, but it's going to hurt those other programs that have been used to being in state, the state tournament the last few years, those programs who are finishing middle of the pack in the Shenandoah district or down lower than that in the Shenandoah district, those teams aren't going to, going to be in state play. And, and a lot of them aren't going to even be in, into regional play because. Yeah. And, see, and that doesn't bother me. Like if, if you're not finishing near the top of the district, it doesn't bother me that you're not going to get to go to like, I, I feel like it should kind of build off each other. So. Oh, I, I agree. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I, I love what the Riverheads volleyball team and what the Riverheads girls basketball team has done in the past few years. But, um, but and they've been right. in the top two or three in the district in those sports. Yeah, and, and, and you're right. And, and their volleyball team has been very good. It's a very good yeah. volleyball program that they have built out there. Um, and they can be competitive in class two. I'm not, they're not going to probably be state tournament class two, but they can be very competitive in class two. But but yeah, I'm, I'm okay with this move too. I think, and, and I, I love to see what the football team does. People have been saying, prove it in class two for a while now. Hey, they'll, they'll have a chance. And, and they've, they've been successful. They played it up in that. I, I don't guess it was called 
class two back then, right? It was the yeah, it was whatever. Divisions, it was division yeah, one, class two, whatever. The equivalent yeah. of class two, and they yeah. played yeah. in the state semifinal and lost to three different state champions. Like three of the four years, they lost to the eventual state champion, and the and one of the year was in the state semifinal. So like. They they competed. <laughs> that's yeah. that's the definition. And, and I think they will compete. I think they will continue to compete uh, at that point. Um, so yeah, but it's interesting, and and that's the change. And then for defiance moving down to to class two, that'll be that's going to be a benefit for them. They are really Their because they had some really good teams that just could not compete at the upper levels of the region that they are in. You know, region region three or class three, region C. Mm-hmm. That was tough for some of those four programs. I think now in class two, that fits them much better. Honestly, I, I think every team in Augusta County and, and Stanton Waynesboro is, is a class two, should be a class two team. I know they, they're not, I know the numbers, but I think all of them, that's kind of where they fit uh, competitively, where they can, if they have a really good season, they can compete and make a deep run into the playoffs in class two. But if, you know, if they're having an off season, they're not going to even make the playoffs. Um, so I, you know, I, I really think class two is kind of where everybody fits, but and only one team is there right now. Uh, yeah, there's only <laughs> yeah. one team right there, and you know, the, the team has got to be happiest about this. Somebody was asking me at the Stewart Draft game about Riverheads and, and asking me those same questions, and and we were talking, and I said the team that's happiest about all of this is Buffalo Gap, right? Buffalo Gap football because <laughs> oh, yeah. next year, next year, you know, they will have a legit chance to to get into the state playoffs because they, they would have won the region Riverheads. last year. Yeah, yeah. So. They probably would have won the state championship last year. I, mean, I, I, I said that before they played the way, how banged up they got by the end of that. Um, it's, maybe. It's hard for me to still see that. But, uh, I mean, they, they would have competed for the state championship. They could have. They, they're physically, they were physically able to last year. It's, it, it's, it's just how it turns out. Well, so. you mentioned Fort, and I, and I want to talk about Fort moving down to Class 2. The sports that leap out to me just right off the bat, volleyball. I mean – that seems like a team that is going to just start racking up state titles in volleyball. Well, I, you know, they've, they've been running into that region three C and it's been a buzzsaw, especially Rockbridge in particular, but if they do as a Riverheads fan, I already have the script ready about what they, you know, how they're cheating and how they have a half student and how they need to get moved up. I'm, wow. I have the script ready because I've heard it for 10 years now. <laughs> I'm not sure the football well, program is going to benefit from class two, but I mean, the no, I'm the volleyball, volleyball will. Volleyball wins six straight state champions, like you say. I don't think they, they will. will. I don't know I if they're gonna. I didn't say they would rattle them off consecutively. I just said they're gonna start piling up. <laughs> Their volleyball team will be very good in class two. You're right. I, I think class two I, I, this year. You know, I mean, look at the last couple of years. They've been pretty good in class three. I, I mean, yeah, they've been good in softball the, too. Yeah, and softball now. You know, I, I mean, you don't have Barry anymore. You, you've lost some of those players. Some. I think their softball team is going to take. I think it'll be very good. Don't I don't need any emails from softball people. <laughs> yeah, let's get started. They're falling apart, but I'm just saying they're not going to be as good it, as last is. year because Lillian Barry was so good. Yeah. <laughs> she was so dominant. You're going to have to suffer a little bit when you lose her. But uh, but yeah, I think girls sports at Fort are going to benefit the most. Boys sports will, but the boys sports have been down at Fort mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, but I think girls sports that have been successful at class three will, will see a lot more success at class two. And, and I think Fort's happy. Fort's, I know, I know Fort is very happy about moving to class two. Um, there was, <laughs> you didn't have to worry about them uh, appealing and saying, no, please let us play. Yeah. They weren't going to pull an LCA and say, let us, let us play. Tired of driving to Roanoke and coming back. <laughs> yeah. 
drive up 81 now or stay local. Well, but again, okay, so let's say the competition aspect, right? Like, let's throw that part out. Although, I guess with the teams in Rockingham County being a lot of three class three schools, it is a little less travel to go class three. But that's another part of the Riverheads appeal that just doesn't make sense to me from, like, the geographic standpoint. I think geographically they align better with Region 2B than Region 1B. I've said They're that every upcoming Big Ten version of a of a region right now, and they have teams from the beach. I yeah, mean, that's exactly that. like that's crazy. crazy. I, if I'm if I'm in charge of Riverheads logistics for post seasons, like I'm not trying to possibly have to send a team and figure out okay, how are we going to get school buses to Essex for this region tournament? When the alternative is I need a bus that goes to Woodstock. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Strasburg or Woodstock or those teams. It's yeah, much better. Much better travel, much better logistically than uh, than what Riverheads is dealing with now. So, so yes, I think administration at, at Riverheads should and be very happy with that. I said this Friday night, and so if you were listening to the post game show on Friday night, then I'm sorry, but you're going to hear it again. But I, I just say it for Patrick because I think and Leland's ears again. But the the whole notion of like Riverheads football moving up to Class Two is going to, you know, ha ha. This is we're happy Riverheads is having to move up in to class two. There is not a single coach in region two B that is sitting there going, Oh good. Riverheads is going to be in our region now. Like, <laughs> and I, I said this and I'm sure the Stewart's draft people listening were very upset when I said it, but Stewart's draft ain't going to a state playoff for a while. Like they can all the, I hope they enjoy those trips to Salem because you ain't going to have another one for a while. <laughs> and, and is it going to surprise anybody if Riverheads next year, Back yeah, state goes state the class two state, state champion. Caden Cook Cash is a senior. Yeah, it won't surprise yeah. me. They're gonna no, blow out everyone in class two, region two B. I'll go ahead and say it now. Region two B champions next year, Riverheads. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I really think that that's very, very possible. The um, Riverheads guy here is just uncomfortable. That's fine, Matt Vaskersion. I'm just here to tell you what's gonna happen. <laughs> All right, um, a little more football talk, but we're going to raise it on up to the to the top levels here. Uh, NFL gets started. We're going to break down the whole uh, what our predictions are later in the podcast. But I'm going to give you a chance to predict two things. Number one, how do your commanders do this year? And number two, I want your Super Bowl pick. Commanders, okay. Um, you know who they are? They play in Washington. Dan Snyder is their owner. I think, I think you have a lot of clothes that are in the same colors that they are, but I'm not sure. I think, okay. Uh, at, at the very best, like if everything breaks their way, Carson Wentz has a really great season, right? They're, they don't have injuries. I think they could win 10 or 11 games. I, I, I'm not saying they will. But I'm saying if everything breaks their way, I think they could, and it could be a playoff team. But. I think more realistically, they are a seven or eight win team again this year. I think they were seven and 10 last year. I think they're a seven or eight win team. Um, I, I think they'll, they'll be okay. Their defense needs to step up. You know I mean? this Two they're years ago, the ball. Yeah. coming yeah. into 2021, there was a lot of optimism around this team. And that was because of their defense. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick was the quarterback, but I think people just kind of hope that, that that offense would be able to capitalize on whatever the defense did. And then the defense did not play well last year. And so far they haven't showed anything in preseason. I don't know how much faith I put into preseason, but they haven't shown anything. Um, I just think, you know, I think their defense is going to have to improve a lot this year. 
they they start out with Jacksonville and Detroit. They they almost have to win those two games because after that, it's Dallas, Philadelphia. Uh, you know, I, I think Dallas, Philadelphia, I haven't looked that far. I know Dallas and Philadelphia are in the next couple of games. Um, and so, so I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I hear a lot of Washington fans not happy with Carson Wentz and that pickup. I think he's, I think he's okay. I think he's a, he's not a great quarterback, but he's solid enough and he's got the weapons there um, in McLaren. And I think, you know, Samuels is good. I, I think uh, Dotson could be a really good receiver, maybe not at the start of the season, but I think you're going to see him improve. So I think he's got weapons. Um, what happened to Brian Robinson? Cause I think he could have been a really good running back. I, I, I think, you know, obviously I'm happy that, that it wasn't worse than it was him getting, getting shot. And, um, you know, that could have been, I mean, he, he could have been dead after that. Right. So, I mean, the fact that Daryl was talking about, he could be back in four weeks is, is, is wonderful news. Um, I think if he's back and playing anywhere like he was in the preseason, um, I, I think their offense is, is going to be good. I just, there's a lot of question marks around that defense and mainly around the defensive line. Like I just, Chase Young needs to come back and I'm hearing mid season now, which is not good. I, you know, he needs to be back sooner than that. Um, they, they've got some other talent on that defensive line. They just need to prove it. You know, um, they just need to prove something and they're, they're not very deep at linebacker either. Um, so any injuries there could really hurt. So I, I think all the question marks are around the defense and, and what happens there. Um, and Jack Del Rio, you know, maybe he's gone after, <laughs> Maybe he's gone before the season. Yeah, kind of surprised go horribly he's still there. Long. But I, I think he's gone after the season. If if they're not a playoff team and it's because of that defense, then I think he's gone after the season. So. The Super Bowl pick. Super Bowl pick. Jeez. Um, so in the AFC, I really like Buffalo this year. <laughs> I really think this is the year that Buffalo can, can make make it back to this to the, I, I think they make it to the Super Bowl. The NFC uh, there's <laughs> uh, there's so many question marks in the mm-hmm. NFC. Um I you know I don't think the Rams are gonna go back again this year just because it's it's tough tough to repeat. I mean tough to get back there. Um so I geez I, I guess I trying to think through here am i crazy i think sam i'm gonna go san francisco because i think i like trey lance a lot better than a lot of people do i really think he could be a really good quarterback in this in the nfl um i and and i don't know i so i i kind of i kind of like that san francisco buffalo how's that first super bowl it's like uh chris berman pick right there yeah (laughs) That's and I was with you on Buffalo, but mm, then you go to San Francisco. Well, well, I mean, okay, if you're looking through the NFC, what do you the NFC East? You know, I, Dallas has some talent, but you know, Philadelphia is okay. But I don't see anybody coming out of the NFC East. You, you look up there in the North. I, I don't know what Green Green Bay to me is not going to be that good this year. I just don't see them. I don't trust their coaching. Being, yeah, and maybe Minnesota. You know, I, if Kirk Cousins has a good, really good season, maybe. But, but as a Washington fan, I don't trust Kirk Cousins to to lead that team. Um, so you know, and in, so I'm not sure there. 
you, you go out west, you know, Arizona, I don't know. Arizona fell apart at the end of last year. I, that team could be 2-15 and 15 or 15-2. and two. Like, you just that team's crazy. Yeah. Maybe not 15-2, and two, but, like, they could be a playoff team or the worst team. Like, And, and so – so I don't know. I mean, who do you play? I mean, you know, I, it's easy to say the Rams are going to be really good again, and they probably will be really good again. But it's kind of boring just to pick the, the Super Bowl winner to go back. So it's called the NBA. It, yeah. <laughs> that's the game. The NFL is not the NBA. It's just not. It is you not. don't have the same teams right. going back. I mean, outside of New England, outside of New England's dominance there. You just don't really have the same teams going back, and so Tampa yeah. Bay. You know, I yeah, I, I I think I don't know. I like San Francisco. I like I like their coaching staff, I, and and I think Trey Lance. Like I said, I think he's better than a lot of people are giving him credit for, and and I think he will be. I think he's he's the he's the kind of quarterback that can be successful in the NFL the way the NFL plays now, and I think he, I think he will be. So there we go. Buffalo, San Francisco. That's the pick. I like it. All right. We're going to get you out of here. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, and we will we'll talk to you, I'm sure, later in the season. And uh, we'll see you Friday night, right? Yeah, I'll be there Friday night. Thanks, <laughs> get guys. Get there early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No like now? Should I should I leave now to get there? Yeah. <laughs> Set up a tent. It's <laughs> Kville out there. Thanks, guys. See you, man. Well, Leland, let's talk about Stewart's draft now. Because... We had question marks coming into the season about them. Were they the second best team in the district? Were they the fourth best team in the district? Somewhere in between. They sure look like they could be that second best team in the district after two weeks. For sure. And I think I think a lot of my questions have been answered. You know, mm-hmm. Shea Smith looks real. I, I really enjoy the way he runs the football. Um, the guys up front are doing a lot of work to create good holes. But once he gets past his initial blocking, He's doing a great job at finding extra yards. He has that burst of speed kind of on his fifth step that I, I haven't seen in Sir draft for a little bit because Aaron Nice didn't need it. He just lowers shoulder pads and creates space. Deshae Smith is getting into open space, and, and that's that's fun to see. As a sophomore running back, it, you know, it's just here we go. Here's another three-year running back for uh, Stewart's draft is just going to run up and down the field. And and that's exciting to see coming. But I was also impressed with Troy Thompson. And, you know, this is a guy that we knew that would be good on defense coming into this season. He was the, you know, the highlight name I kept throwing out for defense. But here he is running for three touchdowns on against Waynesboro on Friday, 88 yards. And he just had those tough carries. And that's what you got to have. And so I, I kind of look at Stewart's draft in a little bit of a way that, you know, they've replaced Aaron Nice in the aggregate. You know, this is the money ball approach of, you know, we don't have another Aaron Nice, but here we have this guy with speed that can get away from people, and here we have this guy that can run right through you. And between them, you know, they can give me what Aaron Nice gave me and plus maybe what Grigsby or someone was doing, you know, running between the tackles. What I didn't see is what, you know, getting around the edges. We didn't see a lot of that, and we're used to seeing Strap bringing guys in motion, getting the ball out into the edges. We just haven't seen that yet, but I have a lot of confidence that as people are, as they're wearing down the middle of these defenses, that'll come along and we'll see that later in the season. So uh, I'm excited that Sewer Strapped kind of reclaimed in my idea, the, the, the second place without question. I, I don't think anybody should have had them too far from that spot, but I think they're obviously the second best team now by beating Waynesboro heads up and seeing what Buffalo Gap's done, which we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. And you know, I, I think you're right. I, I was really impressed with the ground attack, 
There were some points where I was kind of worried about it because it seemed like Waynesboro was keying in on it. But then what do great teams do when one side of the ball is struggling? The other side of the ball steps up. And I think that's the most impressive part of Stewart's draft is despite all that their defense lost, their defense is still very, very good, was very great at just swarming the ball and being all over Waynesboro. Really, that was a yeah. Really, it was a one-score game for Waynesboro. I mean, it was a huge. I think it was like a sixty-seven-yard run or something like that for Ryan Barber that kind of got one of their touchdowns, and it was a huge play that kind of caught everyone by surprise. And outside of that one big play, that defense suffocated Waynesboro most of the ball game. And and honestly, like this is a defense that I think teams are going to struggle to move the ball against for the most part, especially in the Shenandoah District. And so. I think this is a team that is very much the second best team in the Shenandoah district again this year. Um, I, I know that that's not necessarily what Stewart's draft fans want to hear because they want to think they want to be the best team in the district. But um, I, I think they are clearly the second best team in the district. And I uh, I've watched them tear apart Waynesboro now. And as you said, we're going to get to Buffalo Gap and Buffalo Gap does not look like they're up for that challenge yet. Yep, the Cougars will go into this bye week 2-0, and and they'll get ready for Greenbrier East in two weeks. Uh, yeah, another game that happened, and, and then we'll throw them together, Fort Defiance, they got the win. You know, I predicted on this podcast last week, um, you shot me down pretty hard, uh, but I was right. You they were. won, and I think it went about the way that I thought they would. They won by 10. I think that's uh, close to what I predicted. Um, uh, you know, I, I think they took advantage of what Liberty was lacking, but at the same time, looked very strong with what they wanted to do. I mean, they scored early. They built up a 14-0 lead by halftime and, and controlled the game. And, you know, that's not how they won that game against Rockbridge last year. They didn't control that game. They were just on the edge the whole time. They made a big play late. They won it. No, they controlled this game. And that's that shows me the growth that I want to see in Fort Defiance. I continue to say I'm worried about their ability to increase the win margin by much. Maybe some, but but by much, I, I still hold on to that fear just based on who they play. But I'm glad they went into a game that at least some people were saying, you can win this game. And they went out and won it because I feel like it's been a while since they've had that opportunity to play in that kind of game because a lot of people have doubted them so much. I, I'm glad they came out, won that, got that win out of the way. It also didn't feel like this miracle win like it did against Rockbridge last year. So I think that says something about a growing program when, when you win and it's not, you know, you know, winning the Super Bowl. And so I like that those kids get to experience that win and get that gratitude and satisfaction of winning and uh, the result of a job well done that goes together with a W. And that starts with Trey Miller. He had two touchdown passes. Uh, he's scored a bunch of different ways for Riverheads this year, you know, running and passing. Um, he's fine in Taylor Armantrout. He's fine in Bradley Hebb. Um, I, I, I like what they can do. As, a, as an emerging program, uh, but we'll just have to see where that takes them. Yeah, no, I was I was wrong. I didn't think they were going to have enough to pull this one out this year, but they did, and I'm happy for them. I'm glad they picked up at least one win that, that will at least match last season's win total, and I think they have the opportunity to improve on that. There, there are a few games on the schedule where I think that's possible, but sure. um, yeah, right now, uh, Fort's offense looks to be better than it was last year. The defense is still going to have to play better than they... Uh, they gave up 41 points a game last year. They're going to have to play better than that. So yeah, far they're going to have to play year. better than that. So far, it's been better than that. I'd still 
I'd still like to see it play a little better than it has so far. Um, but yeah, right now they're they're doing enough to get one and one, and that's all you can they ask. They were in the game against TA, and they won the, and, and controlled the game against Liberty. Can't, yeah, can't really ask more than that from this team at this point. Right. Um, which so which sets up this what, game with Waynesboro, and I will we say, <laughs> well, that defense is gonna have a lot more ass of it because they're gonna have to defend a pass yes. and run. But I I will say I week one we were questioning a lot more the play calling than I was week two against Stewart Draft for Waynesboro. I kind of felt like the play calling was dead on for Waynesboro. I thought the execution wasn't there, which isn't on the coaches necessarily. That's uh, the coaches can only do so much when the coaches call the right play and the players just don't get it done. Like at a certain point that's on, you got to improve that. I'm sure they're working on a lot of that this week. I think Waynesboro should win this game comfortably, but like we said, Fort played really well last week. They did enough to get the win They're They are improving from last year and Fort's going to look to continue to improve again this week against a very good Waynesboro team who. Got a lot of preseason hype, and so far has lost both of their games decidedly. Now, are they to the two best teams in the district? Yep. Are those two teams usually making state playoff runs? Yes. So it's not like Waynesboro has these terrible losses on their schedule. That being said, Waynesboro now has to start playing and winning games. Like there, We're at that part of the schedule now. You got your yeah. two mulligans out of the way. That's fine. Those are two games that I think a lot of optimistic Waynesboro fans would have said, probably not going to win these, and that's fine. But now you are in the part of the schedule that you absolutely have to start winning games. Fort Defiance is one of those games that right now you just have to win. You absolutely have to win if you're Waynesboro. You won this game 42-24 to last year. If you are truly better than you are last year as Waynesboro, and we think Fort Defiance is better, you've got to kind of at least match that, if not extend it. And I think that starts with Ryan Barber's going to have to get moving. Like, the offensive line has just been straight up dominated the last two weeks. Again, these are good teams they're playing. They're playing the two best defenses they will see all year in Riverheads and Sewers Draft. But that offensive line's got to get some push. And there were points, and I said it on Friday night, Leland, there were points where it I didn't even know if Waynesboro's offensive line wanted to be on the field. I mean, Blake Jones, anytime he dropped back to pass, had half a second before somebody was trying to rip his head off. Because... It was like a paper mache offensive line. And paper mache probably would have helped Blake Jones more because Stuart Straff couldn't have seen past the bodies to know exactly where to run. And Ryan Barber the same way. There was a read option where Jones and Barber got tackled. I mean, what do you... That was a read option, and I was like, I, there's no right answer on that read option because you've got three guys in the backfield tackling both of them. What do you want him to do? And at a certain point, like, I, I think they had a first and goal, and Waynesboro ended up not getting points out of it, I don't think, because they got backed up. Because their offensive line just could not hold for a second. And, and that's got to improve. That is the one thing I will say about Waynesboro going the rest of the way. That offensive line cannot look like it has the last two weeks. Some positive things I've seen, I've seen about Fort going into this season. They had a lot of confidence in their lines. So I think this is a good test up front for Waynesboro for this, for what you're saying. But I do think elsewhere River that Waynesboro has a good amount of talent. I mean, they have the returning top rusher from the regular season last year back there, if they choose to use them that way. And they have a, a great passing attack that we have seen have its moments against these two tough defenses. How do they do against Fort Defiance? So 
as much as I want to say Fort can build off of what they did last week and everything, I, I, I wonder if this is where Waynesboro just kind of releases the tension here and just goes and just, you know, finds success and then rides that success. And, man, this feels good to finally, you know, not have the, you know, two of the best defenses in the state <laughs> in front of us and and get something done. And so I, I do wonder if Fort Defiance will be able to keep up with that in this in this ball game. But I think – they can go into this game trying to win in the trenches and try to build off that. And if, if they're having success in the trenches early, that's a great sign for them. But I, I think Waynesboro's got to come into this of this is a team that a month ago we had circled as an absolute win. We got to treat it that way. And uh, honestly, that's, you know, if I'm a coach, maybe I kind of approach it that way is, you know, it's time guy. Like you, you got to yeah. show it now, you know, you have no more time messing, you know, we, we took our shots, didn't happen. Now it's go time. We got to win these next three weeks, no doubter, if we're the team that we thought we were. And this is the first of them. So. Well, and I'll, I'll say this, right? I know I tossed up the question, and you didn't like it because you don't think coaches go into games thinking they can't win and all that, and that's fine. But in Coach Jarvis's defense, Ryan Barber's getting like two yards of carry. I know the, the Riverheads game, they hardly used him at all. 17 carries on the season. Yeah, that's fair, but he got 13 carries, and 12 of those, he had like 24 yards. I mean, it was a huge, huge run to get him to where he ended up on the night, just shy of 100. That's why you give him the football, because he has the ability to go 60 yards on any given carry. That With but, that offensive line? No, that was a third and long he did that. Stuart Streff was absolutely not expecting that run call. That offensive line, Leland? No. They could have had Jerome Bettis back there, and he wouldn't have ran 70 yards. That offensive line, if I'm Coach Jarvis, I am, telling, I am telling those kids, <laughs> I am telling those kids, this is where you show me what you have. Because we, Ryan Barber better be averaging eight yards of carry against Fort he Defiance. Did last year. He better he did be, last year. He, he better be terrorizing Fort Defiance's secondary. He, he averaged that last year. So I, I don't know. I, I think I've said how I think this game will go. Um, I think we'll see both Blake Jones and Barber be have some success in this game of what we're a little more used to. I, I think I think we've been rough on Waynesboro, particularly on the Friday nights, that they played the two hardest teams that they're going to play this season, and the margins of loss were less than they were last year, and then they went on last year to have a great rest of the season, and there's no reason they can't win a similar amount of games as as they did last season based on what I've seen. I think they have talent. I know the offensive line's got to get better. I, I know that's what you're going to throw back at me, but I, I I think they're going to be tested less the rest of the way, and I, and I think that does start right here. I don't think Fort Defiance's line is as good as the, the two they've seen the most previous weeks. I don't that's think that's fine. offensive to Fort Defiance. That's not, so, that's not offensive their, to Fort Defiance, and that's fine. Success, that offensive line doesn't success. even look like an average offensive line, though. It looks like a below-average offensive line. Riverheads and Stewart's draft look like NFL offensive lines compared to Waynesboro. <laughs> Like and that's not okay. So that game Friday night, that's a big one. It is happening at um, Fort Defiant, so that's a that's a good one. I, I do feel like our coverage and everything's getting blinded by what's happened in Greenville for pretty good reason. But that's a nice little local game right there. Mm -hmm. That's it's an old rivalry. They've been in the Valley District a long time together. I mean, they've played each other, you know, fifty times probably, and uh, it's a pretty, fairly even series. So. Um, it, it's, it's fun to get those games. This is, this is one of those games that I, that I like we have back, you know, now that Waynesboro's in from the Valley district and that after Fort Defiance had already come to Valley district, 
this is one of those that I'm glad we have back. You know, this is a Valley District rivalry back, and it's in the Shenandoah, so I like that. Let's move over to Buffalo Gap, and I would say this is the most surprising result that we had last week because uh, I wasn't surprised with Fort Defiance. Buffalo Gap getting handled by Larray. This is a Larray team that I didn't have faith in coming into this week. I, I didn't. I didn't think they were great. I thought Buffalo Gap would kind of win this one going away. I had a lot of faith in Buffalo Gap and very little in Larray. And what this game has done for me is have a lot of questions about Buffalo Gap because a tough Buffalo Gap team that I'm used to doesn't get beat like this. Maybe they lose this game. Maybe I'm a little bit wrong about this, but they don't get beat 43 to seven, not from Larray. And so I'm surprised at that. They've given up, they gave up 324 rushing yards to the Bulldogs. Um, the Fry kid did what he want. Jenkins did what he want. And you can't, you can't have that. And this isn't Riverheads who they just played. I mean, this is the team that held with Stewart's trap last year. Yep. You know, they, they were in all but the games they played against Riverheads. Those were the, that was the two games they weren't in. Every other game, they were in it. And so this one really surprised me. And it, it, any questions that I thought I got rid of after week one, they're right back. Because I, I'm and, – and add one. I was not worried about their defense. Now I'm worried about their defense. Yeah, and, and I think this brings into question – you know, this is why we kind of said earlier in the episode, like we feel Stewart's draft maybe is that second best team because right. I don't think Larray Stewart's draft either. And and so watching Larray do this to Buffalo Gap, yeah, there's a lot of question marks there. Not only on the offensive side of the ball now, but the defensive side of the ball, which is something I don't think you or I were concerned about going into this year was Buffalo Gap's defense. It was how's the offense going to do? Is the offense going to be able to keep putting up points? That defense is going to be pretty solid. Man, that that's a lot of yards they gave up to Larray. That's a lot of points they gave up to Larray. Rushing yards, and you're a Shenandoah district team. You can't, yeah, you can't. That's not. You don't have success if you're giving up that many rushing yards. Yeah, just really surprised at that outcome. Uh, I haven't really been able to see much on this game, but nothing that I did see I liked. So they've um, got a week off they, this week. They 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 better rebound against East. Yeah, they need to rebound against East Rock. And East Rock's looking better. Yep. I mean, East Rock isn't the team they were last year. I think they're better. They have a new coach. Yeah, but, and they're uh, not they, Valley District weak. They are bull run they, strong. They played very solid against Spotswood in a close loss there and an improved Spotswood team, so I'm giving them credit. The Rockridge team, they beat like a bad team. Uh, and, you know, so I, they got to be awake for that East Rock yep. game in two weeks. We'll break that one down next week, but it, that's that's a big old game. That can really indicate what's going to happen to this Bison team the rest of the season because this is a team that you, you pencil in for being in the region championship game against Riverheads, and maybe they still will be, and that's fine. But you, you lose more than you expect during the regular season. You start going on the road in that region 1B and going all the way to Sussex Central for a game or something like that. Things get weird. Yep. So uh, that's something I'd watch out for, for Buffalo Gap. But Mikey Bell right. gets his first win. I mean, 40 Love to it. 7, Stanton pounded Covington. That was yep. awesome. That was awesome. First game, first win. They looked great doing it. 40 to 7, an absolutely commanding victory. I'm glad they got that win. They have a great opportunity to get another win uh, this week against Page. But focusing on this game for a little bit, they did it balanced like you guys wanted. Um, Darby running, Darby passing. Fields ran in a touchdown. I mean, it was kind of – it was a nice game for Stanton all around. Not a lot to pick apart. Yeah, and I, I, it sticks out to me seeing these sophomores with a, with a TD run and, uh, you know, a TD reception. These are two guys that played on Bell's JV team 
and had success down there. And that's one of my indicators for Stanton of why I think they could have a positive season this year. I'm not saying they're destined for the playoffs, but, you know, throwing their hat in there and, and making you think, and, and, and we get to week eight, hey, are, are they a playoff team? Can they close it out and get it? And it, it's games like this where they go out and just run over an opponent that they're supposed to run over. They did that. You, you did what you're supposed to do. What more can you ask? They controlled the game, particularly after halftime. I and mean, they were up 21-7 at the half. You know, you don't you don't go in the locker room saying, you know, starters one more series at that point. No, you're coming back out and you you got to play. And they came back out and then just took off and, and, and ran it from there. And and I like that Darby led them because I, I do think that's something we're going to have to see from there from them this year during success. Um, but seeing some of these other names that can do it, really exciting for me. And, and I just like that Coach Bell didn't waste any time of this. I mean, even with 21-7 and the game not being over, they still were in control of that game. So I, I, I like every aspect of the scores we saw coming in on Friday night from it, everything I've read from that game. And uh, so I'm excited about what Stanton has ahead of them. I, I think this Page County team, you know, they're coming in with a new coach. This is a Page County program. That was a little bit better these last four years than what they had been the 15 years prior. And uh, but Joey Solstice leaves after 10 seasons and uh, they had a couple of playoff appearances and they're kind of having to rebuild a touch out there. They had a lot of seniors that they lost from last year. Uh, Now, they did win last week, 30 to 26 over Nelson County. But what does that tell you? So I, I think Stanton's favored in this game for good reason. Um, they're going to Stanton's going to have the home game, too. So I, I do think this one could be a very similar score for the storm. I think so, too. I mean, what that tells me is three to 26 against Nelson County tells me Page County ain't much. Nelson County's not. No, that's very true. I, it gets real next week. Um, but how real? It's, it's Rockridge County. We'll break that down next week. But I don't think Rockridge County is some great team, but I think it'll present a bigger challenge than they've had so far. Yes. Uh, so I like how their schedule builds. I think I said that in the season preview, like Stanton schedule builds with a class one team and a class two team and then a class three team. I, I, I like how it goes there. So uh, I, this, is a, this is a good first step for Stanton, and uh, I love it for Coach Bell. Well, you talked about Rockbridge, so let's talk about the team that plays Rockbridge this week. That's Wilson Memorial. They pounded Monticello in their season opener, 41-7. to This is another team that, you know, had a bye week in week one, and we said, hey, if this team's going to improve, they got to show it, and they got to beat Monticello like they're Monticello, and they did. I was saying yeah. they needed a shutout. 41-7 to is not yeah. bad. That was a garbage time touchdown. Um, that's fine. Uh, very impressed with Wilson you, you really got to get down into the weeds, frankly, deeper into the weeds than I'm willing to go in a 41-7 game if I'm going to find something to complain about with Wilson Memorial's performance. And I think this is a this game, as you said for Stanton, is when it gets real. This is a game that's going to get real. They absolutely destroyed Rockbridge 56, or excuse me, got destroyed by Rockbridge 56-14 last year. That can't happen. That that. That score caught both of us by surprise last year because we just frankly thought there's no way they lose that game. It was on that short week. It was just a mess, that game. It was just a mess. And it it didn't look like the Wilson that I thought Wilson was last year anyway. So I think that's a a huge motivator for a lot of these guys. And, and, And we talked about the guys that are missing for Wilson Memorial, but their quarterback and these running backs, Ryan Mundy and uh, Brayden Tyree, who, who played well, they were very much involved with the team last year. They remember what happened on that field last year. They're going to come into this game very motivated. It is a home game for Wilson. I, 
I love this opportunity for them at this point in the season. Last year, they are supposed to open the season with Stanton and then play Rockbridge in week three. Both of those games got moved. Rockbridge got moved into this short, odd week, and it was right before they played Riverheads, I think. And it was just, it was a lot was going against them. I love that it's a normal week and they get to play Rockbridge. And I'm not sitting here saying I think the world of Rockbridge, but you go out there and take care of this team right here, you could build a lot of momentum off of that going into games against Waynesboro and Spotswood, other class three C teams, uh, region three C teams. I, I like, I like the timing of this game for them. And I, and I like the build up to it with exercising their strengths last week with Ryan Mundy scoring on both sides of the ball. And, 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 you know, the pick six was the opportunity on defense. You know, that's the kind of defense we're used to Wilson having. And then uh, Braden Tyree, you know, the younger running back, and he's still a junior. I mean, 118 yards carrying the load, getting the two touchdowns. I, I, I just like, I like what I saw out of Wilson, and that was a team I probably had stronger questions about. I don't know if they've all gotten answered. I, you know, I haven't seen. Uh, here's Progorski throwing 75% completions for uh, two touchdowns. I didn't see that yet, but but maybe you see that this week. So I feel better about what the other guys are doing. Will we see it out of the passing game? Will they need it against Rockbridge, or will it be a slugfest? Yeah, I think that's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Um, I think it's important for Wilson to come out and not only improve on last year's game, but I I agree with you. I think they got to win. If Wilson is going to be one of these better teams that we think they have the potential to be this season, this has to be a win. you got to win. I, I don't think anything of the Valley District. So... In my eyes, I don't care what your name is in the Shenandoah district. If if you're going to say you're worth your your no your name and anything, you got to beat these Valley District teams because I just I don't think they're very good at all. I agree. Rockbridge is a team they lost last year too. They beat Spotswood, who is improved. Um, they beat Waynesboro, who we think is improved. This is one of those games you want to flip if you want to add to your win total or even maintain your win total. So uh, I, I, it's a big game. That's what I love about the sport is the opportunities that it brings for you to prove yourself. And and I love the timing of this one. After so, how messed up their season was last year, and they still got to the playoffs, This I like this at this time for this team. Yes. All right. Let's just go ahead and get real negative here. Let's talk college football. Um. Virginia Tech lost to Old Dominion 20 to 17. That's the second time we lost to that program in as many trips to Old Dominion. We've beaten them at home since then, but as apparently we have a problem going down there. Um, penalties, just sloppiness. Penalties, turnovers, sloppiness. I saw it on both sides of the of the, of the for the teams. O, ODU was doing it too, but we just we weren't good. Um, we have a lot to improve on, and I the main thing I take away from this myself is not to, you know, start the clock on pride, the opposite. It's just a reminder to the fan base, a reminder to me of where this program really is. I saw someone post our last two football games on, on Twitter and said, reality check, this is where we are as a program. And it's a loss to ODU, which obviously, but then I was also 52 to whatever small number we had against Maryland in a bowl game last year. I had put that game completely out of my mind. When I first saw it, I said, when the hell did we play Maryland? I mean, that's how blind I was to the reality of what happened last year. So 
it's just a reminder of the hole we're digging out of that is not going to get fixed in one off season and a bunch of nice words and a bunch of stuff we like. I think all that, I still think all that we're going to benefit from and it's going to go the right way. I don't think this turns it negative. It's just a reminder of reality to me. And uh, not that I, you know, it's not all Fuente's fault, but these are Fuente's guys that are there. And I, the quarterbacks, not as much, but it's not like the quarterbacks that he left behind were going to be any better. So it's a reality check and uh, a pretty salty one. So I said all offseason, just don't lose the first game. Just don't lose the first game. Just don't lose the first game. Yeah, we did. But I will say, like, in the moment, I was like, man, this team's really bad. Like, that's the only takeaway I had was, like, this team just isn't good. And and we're not. Like, and some of tech social media was losing their minds and, you know, like, this is this is on Pry and, you know, how can you lose this game? We are so much more talented than them. And I got to be honest, we're not. You want a reality check? We're not much more talented than ODU. We absolutely suck. And two years ago, when you laughed at me, when I said, if you keep Fuente around, you're going to be Wake Forest. Wake Forest is better than we are. We're Syracuse. We're Duke. That's what we are. We are a team that goes into every game going, well, hope we win. Who knows? Shrugs. Thumbs up. Let's hope it goes well. Like, that quarterback, he's bad. He's bad, but we had to bring him in, and he is better than everyone else Fuente had in that room. Right. Right. These kids, I don't care. And I did see something on Twitter that I, I did like, and I was like, this is exactly what Virginia Tech fans need to hear. The whole, I want guys with heart. I want guys who want to scrap. I want guys who want to win. I want guys who can win. That's what I took away, is that we're not winners. We don't know how to win. We don't, we don't know, know how to win, win but we don't have the players to win. We're not good enough. I want Deep talent. I want talent. I don't care if the kids out there at 5 a.m. lifting weights or 3.30 a.m. looking at the playbook. I don't care. If he can't play, he can't play. And I don't want him on the field. I don't think anyone on that offense deserves to wear a Virginia Tech jersey. I think they're that bad. That offense is a nightmare. That offense is actually offensive to my nightmares. My nightmares don't scare me that badly. That offense is a train wreck. Our defense is the only reason we had to get beat by more. I mean, we put our offense, put our defense into terrible spots. We gave up a touchdown on special teams. It just, it, you know, I, I, I take a little bit of positive from our defense that like, maybe that's what will leave us. Right. And that's why I said, that's why I didn't include the defense in that statement. There are players on that defense that do deserve to play Virginia Tech. That offense. I don't know. I don't think so. One of our best wide receivers is Blumrick. I don't want that guy anywhere near Blacksburg if I have my choice. Yeah, I, 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 I would have said a week ago, he's probably a nice kid, but I, I just like, I don't, know I don't care. To him at the end of I don't know <laughs> if he is a nice kid. I don't, I don't care. I don't yeah. He, he ran over it, dude. Like, yeah. cool. I wish you hit that hard during the game. Loser. <laughs> Like, God, you know what? It's not only you can't just be embarrassed that you lost. You then have to go embarrass yourself with your behavior. I don't want an apology. I want you to win the game. You don't want him to storm the field. Don't lose. Don't be a loser. Yeah, we're not winners. That that is very. I, and very I, the, what was the first thing I texted you after the game? Can't wait to see what Brent Pry does in recruiting, because I, I just do not care for anyone in that locker room. I don't care. 
they He's none of these the people good, so hopefully it works. None of these people will be in the Virginia Tech Football Hall of Fame. As soon as these kids graduate, Virginia Tech might delete their name from like the um, from the alumni list just to forget they ever existed. They might delete the tape. You will never see any of these plays or any of these games on like great moments in Virginia Tech history. They're all going to get wiped. This is a question that I have that I, I don't know if I really feel this way, but you know, I keep hearing like we go to ODU. We're going to go play at ODU because it's so good for recruiting. We, we play right in the heart of 757, and that's all these guys we want to – is going down there and losing really good for us? Like, is going there and establishing that ODU is better than us? Is that a is that a good at recruiting advantage? Like, I, I don't know. I, now, I'm not one – I say that, and I don't want to pull out of a series just because we keep losing. Like, no, like, we need to we need to play who we got to play, and if we make commitments, we need to own up to them. But, ugh, it's tough. And, I, and the next time we go down there, uh, like in 25, I think, like, I ain't looking forward to that because even – hopefully we're better, but, man, the – demons and the ghosts will be haunting for that game yeah Um, it's gonna be circling around and it's it's gonna be intense but here's the thing leland i think when they made that schedule that was different mentality i think when that that deal got signed that odu series was like right after beamer fuente Probably the year after Fuente was had a good year with Beamer's kids. Like, yeah, it was about that time. It was a different mentality. Out. You were thinking, we're going to go down there. We're going to embarrass the hell out of ODU. We're going to show some yeah. recruits what college football is all about. We're going to stomp ODU out. We're going to stomp them out of existence. And we've brought them existence. We've made them more relevant than they've ever been before. Because yeah. we've just, frankly, we let, a, we let someone who was not <laughs> capable of doing the job be around way too long. And he has poisoned the water hole. We, we, we have created we have created our toughest in-state opponent. They, they have proven to be. They, they have, have more wins against us in the 21st century than any other in-state school. So exactly. as much as the UVA fans are laughing, and I can't say I'd be any different if ODU beat UVA, but I will say <laughs> ODU, ODU has given Virginia Tech many more problems than UVA ever has. Um. The what was the point I was about to make here is that yeah I mean it's so so everything was bad and our I mean our our coaches can't even get it back up to the press box which is the weirdest thing I've ever seen stuck in an elevator but then we get robbed I mean it was just oh, yeah. overall <laughs> the worst weekend for Virginia Tech to go to the beach it just was terrible we got players getting their stuff stolen in the locker room. that probably will be something that gets corrected on the next trip that virginia tech will probably insist on there being armed security guarding the locker room i mean and that might have opened odu's eyes to a problem that they have or something you know like i'm not gonna like look at their football team and say you guys did this like i don't yeah i'm not blaming their football team they need to correct this problem and i guess they correct it against us hopefully we can some correct some problems in the weeks come. Um, we'll talk about what's coming up here in a minute. UVA, they played Richmond. I think this is exactly what I told you on the podcast last week is UVA is going to win this game because they're too good at quarterback to, to lose. And that's what was shown. Brendan Armstrong, 21 for 33, 256 yards, two touchdowns, ran 10 times for 105 yards. He was the team's leading rusher. He was just the best player on the field, and he was the difference in that ball game a clear difference in that ball game, probably a little bit of other stuff too. They win 34, 17 over Richmond. Um, you know, 
if I'm UVA thinking I'm going to win the Coastal this year, I don't mm-hmm. love that. But I don't think any UVA fan was too upset with that. The first game with a new coach against Richmond, yeah, they scored first, but you owned the game after that. So I, I think that's what UVA wanted. And, you know, I don't really have anything negative to say about it. I'm not laughing at them. I was going to say, a win's a win, so you'll take it. But, I yeah, it was not – I mean, It's not fair. a convincing win. It's It's – I'd feel okay about the fact that we got a win, but I wouldn't feel warm and fuzzy about my outlook for the rest of the year. Because eventually you're going to play a team with a tougher defense. And if you're if the rest of your offense can't do anything to help out Armstrong, then it's going to be a bumpy ride for them too. Although, you know what? The ACC as a whole sucked this year, or this week. Like, the ACC looked bad. That's the only hope we have in the rest of the season is that like... I, I will say, you know what? After we lost to JMU and Lane Stadium, I thought, blow it up this year's over and that was a rallying cry so maybe if if you are looking for the absolute silver lining what i don't think exists but if you still want to be the optimist virginia tech fan you can tell yourself maybe this will be that moment for this team and they will rally and figure it out i don't think that's coming but so let's talk about at least about these two upcoming games right now virginia tech they play boston college oh and one boston college lost to rutgers yeah tech is somehow a favorite in that game at home it's basically only because they're playing at home. Yeah. But, I mean, from what you're saying, I, 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 it's not like I go into this game saying we can't win it. Like, I think we're capable of playing better than we did last week. We were so sloppy. If we're just not sloppy, we, we play – we win that football game. Still not winning by a bunch, but we win that football game. I, I think we're capable of beating Boston College, but I think that's going to – what I say every week the rest of the way, I think we're capable of doing something, but are we going to do it? And I think – I think that was the reality of these last two years. We just got the show improvement. I mean, we need to look at where we are now compared to where we get to in November, and it's going to be a one-game-at-a-time thing, and we're not going to win all these games. And there's a lot coming up that we're definitely going to lose. This is one of those that I think we can win this game. So go can do it is my approach to this. Yeah, one. What was, it's Saturday night at 8 p.m. on ACC Network. There was a term you used. I think you had used it on Friday night that I kind of I laughed and was like, I like that. I'm going to use that. We have the opportunity to win this game. So we need to go do it. I, you know what? I was ba- I have been rough on Waynesboro's offensive line this episode. Be rough on Virginia Tech's offensive line. That offensive line wasn't good either. There were plays against ODU where I'm like, what is happening? Who are you? And why are you on the field? Like, that can't happen. That just, that just flat can't happen. And I know what you're saying. Well, those are the best guys we have. Prove it. Put the second string in. I don't know. Could they? Yeah. Could they have been that much worse? Now, when the quarterback has time and he still manages to hit a defensive back in the chest, am I kind of concerned? Yes. They didn't fix his throwing issues, did they? Yeah. No. That that was the thing. When Barber <laughs> said they're really happy with his decision making, I'm like, cool. I need to see it. Like I didn't see it. So make sure he knows what color jersey we're wearing at home so he knows not to throw to the white ones this week but goodness uva four o'clock saturday on espnu just just a note here if the comcast acc network feud hadn't gotten fixed yet this game would be on acc network but now that it's all solved it's on espnu uva plays illinois who's one and one they beat wyoming they uh lost to indiana tight um illinois favorite in that football game yeah, that kind of surprises me a little bit. I think I think part of that is the the 
poor performance from the ACC as a whole last week. Um, I still think UVA wins this game, though. I, I don't think much of Illinois. I think you. I think kind of like you said against Richmond. I think Armstrong's just going to be too good to let them lose this game against Illinois. I think they find a way to win, even though it's at Illinois. Yeah, I know what I'm hoping for. Uh, sure. And one more local game to break into JMU. They started their FBS run here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they beat Middle Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, beat the heck out of them, 44 to seven. They were supposed mm-hmm. to. They did that. Great. Looked great at quarterback. That Todd. Centio, uh, I, I don't say his name right. Maybe you've heard it more times than I have. Uh, but he scored six touchdowns, running for nearly 400 yards, doing it, uh, or you know, 400 yards of combined offense. Um, JMU was happy. They should be happy. Um, Marshall is going to come ready <laughs> when, when they play them here in a couple weeks. This week, though, they have Norfolk State, who it's got another- run over by Marshall, 55 to three. That's that's why I wanted to throw that in there. Uh, this is another game JMU is supposed to go win. I'm sure JMU Nation will be hollering after they win this game by 30, 40 points. The Sun Belt games are coming, and uh, that's the reason that you're when you step up to FBS, you have that year where there, there's no expectations for bowl games and all that. They do that to protect you. Those, SB, those, those Sun Belt games from teams that have been in the Sun Belt or have already been FBS, those are for real. So just enjoy these, but but know that harder competition's coming. These are teams that you would have beat these last decade anyway. These are the type of team that you would have beat anyway. You're going to get to real games soon. Yes, and um, I agree. And, you know, you said they were supposed to do that to Middle Tennessee State. I mean, they were like six-point favorites going into the weekend. Like, that was it in that spread, which I was like, man. Vegas doesn't know. Well, and I was. I was sitting there going, man, they're handing out money. Like, wish I could. But – um, yeah, we just can't. <laughs> yeah, we can't in the state of Virginia, unfortunately. Um, but that that was a blowout. They looked great. They're gonna they're gonna do it again against Norfolk State. But yeah. yeah, I'm the Marshall game. I'm very interested in. I'm interested in that Marshall game. Appy State looked good this weekend. Southern Miss looked Ooh, good. Yeah. Coastal Carolina is gonna be good. That Sun Belt's gonna be good. And yeah. I I am very curious to see how many games JMU can rack up. I will say, Marshall, seeing it? seeing some pe- tweets from people who are hobby sports journalists um, saying, you know, their first conference player of the week award snub. Like, yeah, the guy from App State played a real team like and through and her, also and had, had an amazing stat things. line. Yeah. And his offense put up more points than JMU's offense against an ACC team and not some conference USA team that is duct taped together and slapped a logo on the side of their silver helmets that could have been made of duct tape. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, JMU plays Happy State in two weeks. I, I was, I was that, off. Yeah, I, I thought it was Mark. He'll get to. He'll get. Okay, yeah. well then he'll get to see why that guy was offensive yeah. player of the week and not JMU's quarterback when they play App State. Yep. And they have a lot of tough teams late, so it, it's coming, and and they'll have their bumps. But that's a good. Hey, you couldn't ask for anything more than no. That they did this a win's weekend. a win. That's what you wanted week. this week. Absolutely yep. great performance by JMU. Great way to usher in the FBS era. And they're going to pound the P out of Norfolk State to get the second win of the year and be 2-0. Yep, I agree. All right, let's talk about what the nation cares about. It's all these other games that happen. Like We can run through uh, ones as quick as we can here. Pitt, WVU, I thought was a great way to start the season on Thursday night. It was mm-hmm. a fun game. Both teams had times where we thought they were winning. Pitt wins with a big interception late, and uh, it was good theater. That was a, that was a great game. 
Um, I got back in time to watch kind of the end of that game uh, from Richmond, and it was fun. It was exciting. Um, yeah. Does it, it make me feel great? Yeah, d- yeah. Like, at the end of that game, I was like, don't know how I feel about Pitt. Um, no. But okay. No. Yeah. It, they won it. They won. That was that was the end of the highlights, really, for the ACC. <laughs> like that You're like, okay, cool. We're done here. I guess Florida State did good later yeah. in the weekend. But, like, Saturday, yeah, if you were an ACC fan on Saturday, you were just sitting around going, oh, Lord. We don't have any fingernails because we've chomped them all off. And, and a lot of that was that Appy State-UNC game. UNC won it 63 to 61, but Appy State goes for uh, two in the win, don't get it. But then then UNC returns the onside kick, Appy uh, State kicked. They should have never ran into the end zone. If that guy just falls down before the end That's zone, it. they win right then. But instead, they score a touchdown, Appy State gets the ball, they go down and score, then have to go for two to tie and don't get it. But man, that was an exciting finish. There's a lot of points in that game. Uh, it was fun. I mean, they had the attention. That was prime time yes. of a New. birthday party at my house at that time, and everybody was yelling at the TV at that time. Yeah, that was an amazing ball game. I loved it. If I'm a UNC fan, I uh, as badly as I feel about Virginia Tech's offense, I feel about UNC's defense. That defense, I don't even know if there's 11 guys on the field when I watch them play. Like, because I'm telling myself, there's no way. There's so much room on that field. There's no way they have 11 guys on the field. And it's just, it's insane. They're awful. <laughs> they are terrible defensively. App State absolutely, I feel like, should have won this game, but they didn't. They scored 40 points in the fourth quarter and still lost, which is amazing. Um, a bananas ball game. And then you have another in-state team there in North Carolina, NC State. They only win because East Carolina doesn't make an extra point at the end of the game. I mean, good day it was insane i will say this you know what these three teams uh virginia tech unc and nc state all have in common they went to g5 teams and played on the road i don't know maybe there's something to that i don't know but it, it was fun to watch i mean it was, i do it like was it i think it's great for college teams. football as much as as much as i don't like it when virginia tech loses and brent pry was like i don't like playing here um that's fine I'd rather see. I I I want to see that because I think that if you're truly a better program, you win that game anyway. Yeah, everybody's talking about other other conferences not doing it, so ACC shouldn't. I just I take that more as that other conferences should. Yeah, you know, get go get regional games against G five yeah. teams. Is Alabama worried about playing UAB at UAB? No, yeah. go play them. Go do it and rock it out. But like they could play a G five school in the state of Texas or something and call it a recruiting trip, like we do at ODU. Like, I, I don't know. There's options everywhere. Alabama could go play a G5 game in Florida, and it probably do, you know, wouldn't be the yeah, worst. Yeah, go in the play world, UCF so. at UCF. Go play in Orlando, Florida. Yeah, do it. Do it, Gators. Do it, Knowles. Speaking of the Gators, the Gators did a good job uh, beating wow. Utah, number seven, Utah. Uh, you know, the, Florida looked good at quarterback. That Anthony Richardson kid, he's only a sophomore. I, I was really impressed with him. He was, he was doing everything. Uh, you know, I had multiple games on at a time, and I find myself watching him the most at all the, all those games. He he did really good, and they won in crunch time, and that's the uh, first win for their new head coach. So it, it was a good night for the Gators. Yeah, for Napier, um, from, Napier yeah. from UL Lafayette. And honestly, I thought this was a game where both teams just played well. Like, I didn't think either team looked bad during the game. Like, there were a lot of close games where I was like, man, I don't think much of this one team, even though they won. But I thought this was a game where I was like, both of these teams are probably going to be pretty good. 
Both these teams yeah. are probably pretty good. Utah is I, probably going to be fine the rest of the way. I, I tell you what, if I'm in the Pac-12, I am terrified of Utah. They went yeah. to the Swamp, probably should have won that game if it hadn't been for some insanely talented plays uh, from Florida and, and Anthony Richardson in particular. And they, the Gators end up pulling it out. Good for them. They're going to be a good team this year. And, I, yeah, I, I just thought both of these teams, I was like, wow, this was an exciting game. The other game that was on during that time that I was watching was uh, Ohio State-Notre Dame. Ohio mm-hmm. State wins 21-10, but that's a tight game. Notre Dame's winning yeah. 10-7 at the half. Um, not really what you were expecting. I thought Notre Dame was going to battle in that game. They did, but it wasn't because of their offense. Their defense looked great, but they, they their offense was not doing it. That's why I have a little bit worse hope than I had for – for that new coach there. I think he might lead a good defense this year, but I'm, I'm worried about their offense. But, you know, oh, we come out of that game and everybody's talking so highly of Ohio State. And, yeah, they beat number five. I don't know if I feel better about Ohio State than I do a team like Georgia who beat number 11, 49 to 3, beat them into the ground. Well, the AP um, poll reflected that today. Yeah, yeah. And that's where I was going to get to is the polls sw- noticed that switch stuff around. But – I, I thought Ohio State, if they were as good as they like to tell everybody they are, I, I think they control that game a bit more and not have to come back in the second half and not have to depend on some playmakers to squeak things out, um, you know, and treat it closer to some Georgia. Maybe not quite the way Georgia treated Oregon. I think maybe Oregon was overrated, but Georgia looked really good on offense. Absolutely lights out on defense, which we expected that. Just a lot of good out of the SEC. I out of, I tend, that, out of that game, out of that game. Yeah. I tend to agree with you there. And um, yeah, I think the other big ACC SEC game was Florida State somehow winning a game against LSU in which I was texting you at the end. Um, I don't think either team really wants to win this game. It was just yeah. LSU fumbles a punt to give Florida yeah. State the ball and a position to absolutely put the game on ice. All you have to do is kick a field goal in the final two minutes, and that game is over. Florida State fumbles at the one-yard line because they're Florida State. And LSU goes 99 yards in a minute and change, in which, by the way, Mike Norvell does what I thought was maybe the dumbest coaching decision of the weekend, to call a timeout with one second left and give LSU that time. I was like... Maybe LSU doesn't snap it in time. Maybe their kids aren't paying attention, and that clock expires before they snap it, and you win the game that way. Instead, he elects to call a timeout, gives LSU time to draw up a play, calm down, not have to rush at the line, and they win the they score a touchdown. But LSU's offensive line, particularly with the special teams unit, gets their second kick of the game blocked, uh, this time an extra point, and Florida State wins by a point. In which, I was screaming at the TV in the moment. I was like, go for two, you idiots. Don't. This game has been bananas. Just go for two. You, they've already proven to you they can't stop you from the two-yard line. You just scored from the two-yard line. Do it one more time, and you win the game. Yeah. Or give them and a chance in, in overtime. Everybody in moment was calling for that. Everybody says, oh, you can look back. No, people were calling for it in the moment, on Twitter, immediately. I, I will say, I've been consistent in that. I, I am always, if you have a chance to make sure the other offense never touches the ball again, I am in favor of that. I, you know, I was positive about Florida State last week. I went into this game saying, I think Florida State's going to be in this game. I didn't say Florida State's going to beat LSU, but I said they'll be in this game, and that'll kind of 
you know, back up my point of they're going to be a factor over there on the Atlantic side of the ACC. You know, they went up early, but I don't feel better about Florida State. I think this was still that. Even though they won the game, this was still that. I They, they can play. They're going to be okay. They're going to be in the top three of the Atlantic. I, I think you might agree with that easier now. Yes. But it's not some, like, statement game from Florida State here. Um, this isn't some – something the ACC to hang their hat on from an LSU team has a brand new, like they have a new coach because their old coach, the team was terrible with him. So like uh, it doesn't make me feel bad to see Kelly lose that game. I do not like him. I did not like him before he got to LSU. I don't like him now. So uh, that didn't bother me now. Um, I don't have much to say on, on Georgia. Nah, I don't care about that one. Uh, let's go to next week. Noon, the biggest game of the weekend, I would say, no. is Bama, Texas. That's the two biggest names, big, two of the biggest names in college football. Texas is playing at home, so that kind of brings it in a little bit more. It's still a big spread with Alabama, um, but I'm excited about that game. I'm excited these big noon games. They started them last year. I like it. It kicks the day off at noon with good games. I'm excited about that one. That's probably, you know, the one that's getting the most attention. Um, there's other games I'm really excited about, but th- that one's going to have everybody talking this week. No, that's going to be a blowout. That is a big name versus a former big name. <laughs> yeah, it still matters, though. It's still Texas. That game will get the biggest rating of the weekend. Probably, but that is, yeah. I mean, that's that speaks to the masochism that our country just so sheerly enjoys like that's going to be TV MA. Like don't let your kids watch this. Viewer discretion advised, put the kids to bed at noon. So which game are you most excited about? Honestly, I'm excited about this Tennessee pit game. Give me Tennessee. Give me pit. I'm interested in that. Cause I want to see, I think Pat Narduzzi's going to lose. And I want that yeah. desperately. I want to see Hinden hooker towards Pat Narduzzi. Because then I can convince myself if game, we had yeah. fired Justin Fuente two years ago like we should have, maybe we would have Hendon Hooker. And maybe we could be what Tennessee is. But we don't because we didn't. Tennessee's going to win that football game. I don't. I mean, I have no reason to argue Pitt's going to win that football game. Nothing Pitt did last week is going to make me say that. I can't believe uh, I get six and a half points. Oh, no, I don't. Tennessee's the favorite. No, you don't. Mm, Tennessee's favorite. Uh, yep, I read that wrong the first time. dog. Usually you bet on the home dogs. Yeah, I read that wrong the first time. Not me. Although, (laughs) good news for Pitt, I was like 1-11. So, (laughs) Um, The other big game, uh, Kentucky-Florida. I think that's going to be a good one. Kentucky's been better. Uh, Florida looked good last week. They went shooting up the rankings, uh, and they favored in that game. But I think that'll be a good game. I think that's one of those SEC, you know, beginning of the fourth quarter, we're going to be wondering what's happening in this one. Yeah, uh, Kentucky has been better than usual the past few years, and I think it's going to be interesting. But I do, th- I, I do think Billy Napier is just better than Dan Mullen, and I, I do, I could see Florida kind of running away with this one late. That'd be good for them, and then a sneaky good game late. Number nine Baylor traveling to number twenty-one yes. BYU. That's the late night ESPN ten fifteen game. Uh, that's a good one coming on in the 10 o'clock hour. You know what? Hats off to Baylor for going to BYU and playing this game. Yeah. That's what I want to see. You know, I know I made fun of the ACC for doing it and having a bunch of close games, 
But you know what? Hats off to Baylor. I actually do enjoy when the big programs travel to some of these other schools that aren't power conference teams or, you know, even play other power five teams on the road and home and homes, right. not a neutral site. Road like I, I yeah. like that. And uh, I think that's better for the sport than neutral site games. But I, I, oh man, I kind of do think BYU has a shot and maybe, maybe BYU is that G five team this year, but we'll find out this week. If they're going to be that team, they got to win this week. So news that broke Friday, you and I talked a lot about it on ESPN 1240, the boss, uh, during our pregame coverage. Um, and this is something we've talked a lot about, so we don't have to beat this to death this week. Yes, we do. Um, the expanded playoff of 12 teams. Are you, are you just terribly disappointed it's not 16? No, I'll take it. It's, it is better than what it is, so I will take it. I get at least one G5 team in every year with it being the top six conference champions. Um, I, w- I still think 16 and having all 10 conference champions and the six at-larges is the best, but I will settle for 12. That's fine. Um, I, I did see where, I think it was Reese Davis had said on Paul Feinbaum, like he thinks this is going to take away of some of these big-time matchups we're seeing in week one. And I was like, I, I don't believe that for a second. I think there's a point there. I think this change gives us more good games in December that actually lead to something. Sure, we got good bowl games before where you'd have two teams that are kind of in these ranges playing each other, especially on New Year's Day. But then whoever won, you were just happy at the end, and either way your season was over. This leads to something. This leads to another game, another good game. So that's interesting, but it does come at a cost. I think that will affect early season or even just during the season games within the SEC. Some of these big SEC matchups that we um, are used to seeing in, especially October or November, that, man, this means everything because if the lose, whoever loses is just on thin ice and they're probably out and blah, 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 it, it is going to take away from that game because I think those games – even the loser still has a darn good track to the, to the playoff. But what it gives us is in the ACC, in the Big 12, in the Pac-12, it gives us more games that matter more throughout the season that we don't get now. So I think, you know, we, we're going to gain more than we lose. And in that, as a great point that you made on Friday when we were talking about it, is it's going gonna, it's gonna to help spread out the talent. Because you can go to a Pac-12 and think you can win a national championship. You can go to the ACCC and think you can win a national championship because there's a spot guaranteed at the table for you that is not there now. There is no automatic qualifiers right now with the four teams. There's none. I mean, the SEC virtually has one, but there is none. Right. So this says, hey, if if my team in the ACC goes and wins it, I can win a national championship. So I think in the end, I like this. Overall, I think I like this. I do think in some of those Saturday at 3.30 games, they're not going to feel as meaningful as they used to. But then the 7 o'clock game or that noon game or a different 3.30 game is going to mean more than it, than it has these last few years. So I think in the long run, I'm happy with the 12. I don't want the 16. I still don't want the 16. I'm not going to argue with it right now. I, this gives the route. If you're an undefeated G5 team, 
you're likely going to be involved here. You're likely going to yes. be that sixth ranked highest conference champion. So that's your route. You still got to go undefeated to get there. But well, you don't have to right? go undefeated. You just have to be the highest of the G5s. Yeah, but like you, if you take care of everything you can take care of, you're not going to be left out in the cold. Right. So there you go. And even I was seeing uh, the two years ago when there was like Coastal Carolina, like this, this is going to get more of those G5 teams an opportunity. Now, things got to be voted for correctly. <laughs> right. Like, that was where we got to is like, once you've opened up that door, well, then they can start voting in a way that keeps those teams, you know, arms distance apart. But you, you can't control that. You can't predict that as much now. But it, it, is, a, it is interesting that people ignore how the voting would go. Because that's the one thing, one of the tweets I saw from PFF uh, College um, uh, right after this happened. They took last year's rankings, final rankings, 1 through 12, and set up the playoff. And they're like, well, I don't like this because it sets up Michigan State and OSU. OSU already beat them by 49. Bama Ole Miss, Bama already beat them by 21. Notre Dame, Cincinnati, Cincinnati already beat them in South End. Now it doesn't mean anything. That's, that's, that's They're going to change the voting. Yeah, the voting would not have been the same. They're going to adjust the voting. Yeah. So uh, they're going to change one of those ranks, move them all, and so all of them are new matchups. They're going to take care of this the same way they do for the NCAA basketball tournament. And they put that guy's former assistant, if he wins the first-round game, then he'll play his old coach. They're going to do that. They're going to set this up the right way. And so it's going to set up interesting games. It, it's a little funny that, like, we get a number three, what was it, Georgia Georgia beating number 11, Oregon. And that's, you know, a similar kind of spread on rankings and how bad that is. People point to that. But we were seeing that in the four-team playoff. We've seen a lot of blowouts in the semifinal of the four-team playoff. So that just doesn't mean we scrap everything and just say, well, we have to go back to two then. So I like it. I'm fine with the 12. I'm going to watch it. I, I've come around on what it sacrifices during the regular season because – we're going to gain more than we lose. I hear what you're saying with that, too. But, like, not all six of those at-larges are going to be SEC teams. So those games are going to matter some. No, but a lot of times it's, like, that third SEC team is the one that's involved in those games that I'm talking about. This, I mean, it's going to open the door for more SEC teams, more than just two or three. I mean, there's going to be the possibility of more. I was going to say, I think three, maybe four get in. But that's probably it. The line, like, like it always does. You know, instead of arguing about who's number two and three like we used to, then we now we argue who's four and five. And now we'll argue about down the line. And then we'll still argue about who's four and five because those top four get a buy. That makes right. it very interesting. And that's a huge advantage. So I, I don't know. I like and it. And then five. I'm, I'm watch the heck out yeah, of Yeah. And then the, the first round, I think they're talking about having at on college campuses. So that's big for those schools. They haven't rolled it out for the second round either. Yeah. So. That's huge for those schools to be in that top four, if that's the case, or be, you know, hosting a first round game. That's big. I, I think I, this is great. And, again, all the people who are sitting there going, well, we have blowouts in the first round now. Like, oh, why are we doing – why are we expanding the playoffs? Oh. Those are the Neanderthals that just don't get how recruiting and how talent – how if you want to spread out the talent and create parity, how you do it. Those are Neanderthals. They're, they're the dumbest among us, and you just cannot pay attention to what they have to say. I, I think – I think they might go with home games in the second round too That'd be because fun. I think it's really easy to tell those teams, okay, you have a first week bye and you're going to host a game when you do. And then you so have – start getting things ready for their game yeah. to host. I think it's hard for those first round games to all of a sudden we're going to host a game. But I, I'm interested to see the timing of all this too. They've always pleaded that you can't mess with exams 
Uh, so I'm wondering. I told if, you uh, that was nonsense. I told you that was nonsense. The I other nonsensical thing they said was the the other thing they said before was that was nonsense was. Well, you know, we'd just be leaving money on the table if we expanded the playoff. And I'm like, no, you wouldn't. You would be getting more money. And what was the estimated TV rights? Don't worry. Double. Double a four-team playoff. Yeah. Double in media rights. Yeah, the exam schedule. Leland, you think these kids are taking no. exams? No. I think, no. No. I, what I'm scared of is that they try to really bite into that, and they try to shove this game in the week after conference championships. Oh, I don't care. And, Good. And have a bye week. And then – so then you'd have your – Top four seats have two weeks to buy. Would be the oh, I don't think they're going to do that. Advantage. I don't think they're going to do that. Unbelievable advantage. I don't think they're going to do would, that. It would still play into the, the schedule they have now because then it would naturally, the next week after those four those four games, then it would be what the semifinal is now, and the timing could work right out even with that. I hope they give a week off after the conference championships. Take your exams early if you have to, and then go into four straight weeks of playoffs. Yeah, it's not like anybody – any of those professors are failing a kid during the exams anyway. <laughs> it's hard to fail those classes at UNC, I know. So Yeah. Could you imagine uh, if an Alabama professor failed a starter for Alabama? Failed them in the exam. And, and that well, yeah, and then they Alabama. then it got regraded and that <laughs> professor no longer was a professor at Alabama. Yeah. That dude's dead. <laughs> <laughs> You're only kind of kidding. All right, let's jump up to the NFL. Patrick already gave some of his predictions. It's time for us to give ours. Well, let's stick. Let's let's go to our personal teams first. You will give me a prediction on the Ravens. I'll give a prediction on the Steelers. I'm a little down on the Steelers this year. I don't like the insecurity that we have at quarterback. Uh, Trubisky doesn't make me. It's not insecurity. You guys have announced your starter. I know. I I know. I'm, Trubisky doesn't give me the warm and fuzzies. Oh. I know that he hasn't thrown a pick six in forever or in his career. That's nice that we keep talking about that. i looking for that to happen like on his first pass this season after how much it's been talked about. I think they're okay this year. I think at points they'll think, okay, they're going to make the playoffs. I think if they come up just short. I think it's one of those where they go into those games right after Christmas. Uh, Baltimore beats them late keeps them from securing a playoff spot, and then the tiebreakers don't go their way uh, in the final week of the season, and they they wind up just outside of the playoffs. That's that's what I'm seeing for the Steelers this year. Mm, that's interesting. Usually, now I'm playing the Joe I'm playing the Joe Deck method here. Joe Deck, you know, says my team's terrible, and so when they they win, it's like, hey, I was wrong, but I'm happy. You know, I'm gonna right. go I'm gonna go with the Joe Deck road. See, I think we're 10-7. and seven. I do think that's going to be good enough to win the North this year. I don't think the AFC North is very good. Um, but I, I do think the Ravens at 10-7 and seven will find a way to win that division. All right. And then Patrick, he said he thought the Commanders would be outside of the playoffs, uh, probably a 7- or 8-win team. I, I, think, I think that's more of my upper end of what I think they can do. I don't, I don't necessarily think that's a great answer. So uh, they, cause he was saying eight, nine wins or something was, was better. So uh, I don't know if I agree with him. So uh, we'll go from there. I don't have him in the playoffs. So looking down uh, at each division, we're going to pick a division winner from each and a wild cards. Uh, so who you got? Uh, well, let's start in the NFC East. I think Dallas is going to win that division. I, I don't think Dallas makes the playoffs. Wow. 
that would their be a offensive bold, line is a mess. That would I don't be a bold prediction. I don't think they make the playoffs. Interesting. I think you're wrong, obviously. Um, I think the Eagles win that division. Okay. See, I don't think a lot of the Eagles. Ugh. The okay. NFC I don't is, think a lot of Dallas. The but NFC is so You have bad. a history of liking Dallas, so. More times than not, it works out, though. All right. So in your wild cards, who is one of your wild cards? Oh, do we agree on the rest? That's why you skipped over them? Yeah. Did we say that? No, we didn't. I'm sorry. I, I, th- I thought it because I highlighted it. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we both think the Packers are going to win the North. We both think the uh, Bucks are going to win the South. We both think the Rams are going to win the West. Uh, wild cards. Let's go into wild cards. You have Philadelphia in. I don't think I a lot to... of them, but I don't think a lot of the NFC. The NFC. Right. I think the Ooh. NFC is a mess. Yeah. Gosh. I have. I have the Vikings in as a wild card. So, so do, do you. I. So who's your third wild card? Cardinals. See, that's a team. And, and I don't think you're wrong. I I, I can't sit here and I say, think oh, you're that's wrong. a bad pick. Say yours. What? I think that's wrong. The 49ers? Oh, no. That's not the one I was going to nitpick. Yeah, I think the 49ers. No. The one, my bold <laughs> prediction of the whole thing is yeah. I wanted to say it up here with bold predictions I had. I was about to come with a saying that said Dallas wasn't going to make the playoffs. I had one yeah, where the that's Lions bold. finished better than the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going with the Lions sneak in. I'm not saying they win anything once they get there, but I'm, I think they went in. I've completely been fooled by hard knocks. Yes. And so I will blame HBO when I'm wrong about this prediction. That's I was going to say, honestly, like I think the over and a half for the Lions is seven and a half wins. If they're I, over, they have I a think shot. that's I think that's hard knocks. I took under. I, they're bad. That's a bad team. They're a bad football team. And their coach their defense is not bad. Their defense their coach is not good. Last year. Uh, they're, they're, their quarterback is not great. Quarterback's not they good. are not good. They're going to be they're, bad. They're great at tight end. Super at tight end. Cool. They're going to lose. They got the governor there. They're going to be bad. All right. So jumping over to the AFC, who are we seeing? Uh. I'm seeing the Bills in the East. I am seeing the Ravens in the North, the Colts in the South, and the Chiefs in the West. So where I have different than you, I agree with the Colts and I agree with the Bills. I don't have Baltimore, but I believe I do have them as a wild card. I have the Bengals coming back. I think that offense is going to still be solid. And I think in that division – their defense is good enough, and but their offense kind of stands out a little bit. I'm down on Baltimore because I want to be down on Baltimore. I, I mean, like I'm not, okay. I, I'm not discrediting Baltimore because I'm gonna have Baltimore in the playoffs. But I, I have the Bengals winning that division. Uh, and then mm-hmm. I think it's time for the Chargers. I think it's time for the Chargers to take that little half step up. I think Kansas City has a tough schedule. Because they have a tough schedule. I think the Chargers take advantage of their slightly easier schedule and they win that division. See, that's why I don't think the Bengals are going to win that division is because of their schedule. I think they have a tougher schedule this year because they, they're going to have that division champion schedule, which is typically tougher. So that's why I think they're going to lose out in the division. Um, you have the Chargers. I, I don't hate the Chargers being in the playoffs. I have them in the playoffs. 
Yeah, we just got them swapped. Yeah, yep. it's fine. Uh, I have the Broncos winning a wild card, which you have as well. Yep. I guess this is where my bold prediction is. I think the Dolphins are a playoff team. I don't think the Bengals make the playoffs. I knew you'd have the Dolphins. Uh, you're, you're like a closet Dolphins fan. I'm That's not a I'm closet Dolphins fan. I just, I think they're going to be better. They added Tyreek Hill. They were a 500. They were about 500 last year. They added Tyreek Hill. I think they're going to be better this year. And I think they're going to make the playoffs. All right. So Ravens, Chiefs, Broncos were my wild cards. Yours was Denver, San Diego, Miami. So who is your NFC champion? Gosh, no one. Yeah, I struggled with trying to select this. This is so hard because I look at it. It's hard not to just say the Rams because I think they're the best team. Like, I don't trust as much as I like Dallas to win that division and just because they're the worst team in that or the best team in that terrible division, which might be the worst in football. Like someone has to go and that might help them. Like, I don't trust Green Bay's coaching to get them to a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. I, Mm -hmm. I don't think Tom Brady is going to survive the whole year. I do think Mm -hmm. he's showing age this year. Um, And then I look at my wild cards and I'm like, I don't know. Do I do I think Kirk Cousins is capable of going to a Super Bowl? No, I don't. The Cardinals? No. I that's another one I don't trust coaching. And so I guess I'm gonna say the Rams again. Okay. You got the Rams. I did go with a wild card. I, I went, went with, with the 49ers. Lions. Oh. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I won't be surprised if not the same quarterback plays the entire season. I won't be surprised if they flip back and forth. But I oh. somehow think they get in the playoffs, they have it figured out by then, and they make a run. 49ers in the Super Bowl. If I knew Trey Lance was not going to be starting in the playoffs, I would like that pick more. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. 49ers, NFC. I guess I don't even have them in the playoffs because I think Trey Lance starts. You don't. Yeah, no. I don't think they pull the eject cord on Trey Lance. Me and Patrick the 49ers. That's fine. In the Super Bowl. I don't even have them in the playoffs. Who do you have from the AFC? I think this is, I think Patrick was right about this. I think this is the Bills year. I agree too. I have the Bills in the Super Bowl. Show me who you got. Super Bowl. Yeah, wow. And then the world ends. So this is it. Uh, The Bills are going to do it. The (laughs) The Bills are going to win the Super Bowl and then usher in the apocalypse. So it's been great. I will have the Act Sports podcast up until that point, but obviously. After Super Bowl Sunday, the world's coming to an end. So I just want to get it out now. I've loved our audience listening to us this long. It's been great. But, man, what a magical time for the Bills. Gosh, the Orioles better get it done this year. We're not the only ones picking them. I mean, they're getting picked across the board. So That uh, makes me feel nervous for the Bills. I've heard a lot of L.A., Buffalo, and so your picks aren't crazy. Uh, I, I did. I did feel reaching here. I, my 49ers, I felt was a but little bit. Reach, what? But you know what? You're not again. Like I would feel more like confident it. in that if I knew Trey Lance wasn't going to be starting it in the playoffs. But I, I don't know. The NFC is so bad. Yeah, the 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 NFC is so bad. As long as you don't say something crazy like the Falcons. I don't know. Maybe. I wouldn't say the Lions or the Bears either, but you've got the Lions in the playoffs, so. Lions sneaking in, and I told you I'm completely swayed by hard knocks. I'm acknowledging Golly it. Day. Because I look at the rest of the list, and I don't know who to put in there, so why not them? I guess. 
What a thing to say. <laughs> why not the Lions? <laughs> well, here's why. <laughs> I will say, for people that hate a college football expanded playoff, like the NFL has 14, so I don't know. Yeah. That means teams uh, like the Lions might make the playoffs. I don't know if that's right. All right, Joe, I have a proposal for you. I think as a podcast, Gosh. we should watch Welcome to Wexham and talk oh, about Oh, Wrexham? Yeah. You said Wexham. It's Wrexham. I, I think I slurred my speech. You know, these chill drinks get heavy at this hour. Apparently. Um, welcome to Wrexham. I think we should both watch it and talk about it each week. Instead of spoiler alert it, just, okay. hey, listeners, we're going to talk about this every week. So... By next week, watch the first two episodes. I think there's four out now. Oh, I'll probably try to catch all four then. So, I was trying to, I was trying to give something reasonable to our listeners that don't binge as hard as we do. Um, get on our level. Watch, watch. <laughs> get on a bachelor. <laughs> get on a bachelor life level. By the end of by by next by next Monday, watch all that's available, and we're talking about it next Monday. Listeners, we're talking about Welcome to Wrexham next week. Be ready. I've liked what I've seen so far. I've watched uh, an episode and a half, and I've enjoyed it a lot. Did you ever watch Sunderland Till I Die? No. Oh, this, I haven't watched any of it yet. But the description of it sounded a lot like Sunderland Till I Die on Netflix, which is fascinating. That's an amazing show. I'm excited where this goes. The second episode made me more excited than the first. The first was a little set you up, and the timeline was a little weird. The, the, it's, it's getting into it in the second episode, so I, I'm really enjoying it. So I think as a podcast, we're launching this show. It's my commitment to soccer for the next weeks uh, up until the World Cup, I guess. And uh, I'm, that's what I'm giving you. I don't want to hear about any other soccer, though. Well, you're going to. Um, <laughs> I'm just telling you right now you're going to. But it's – oh, man. I've, I'm telling you, Sunderland Till I Die, it's, it's a few years in the past now, but – it followed Sunderland Football Club, who was in the Premier League when it started, ended up just falling. Well, don't spoil art. But um, <laughs> it, it's a great view into English football and how much it means, those clubs yeah. mean to those towns and cities and and how yeah. much promotion and relegation means. And, yeah, and it's just. They dig into that hard in the first episode of this. So. Oh, it's. Then I am all about it. I can't wait. I. I. Honestly, I haven't watched it yet because I was like, oh, I don't know. I'll get to it when I get to it. But because it's fifth tier, I'm so I'm not going to catch any spoilers on it. But um, yeah, wow. Whew. I Yeah, I'll watch it. Oh, my gosh, yes. I thought you'd never ask. So by next week, we'll talk about the soccer show together. Golly day. I can't wait. Sorry, Peaky Blinders. You might get put on the back, on the back burner again. I almost <laughs> caught up. Episodes. They're half hour typeish episodes. Like, I know. I've almost caught up with Peaky Blinders, though. I'm. I think I've got like two episodes left of stuff that it's isn't not the like newest you season. Call four different teams every week or anything. <sighs> yeah, don't I know it? <laughs> All right. What do you have? Uh, hey, Waynesboro. Uh, Waynesboro volleyball just beat Broadway in five sets. It's good news on a Monday night. On Tuesday night. Yeah. What, Second what time. Is dominating your That's life? a sweep. Yeah, it's good. What's dominating your life? What has been dominating my life has actually been the new Lord of the Rings show. They dropped uh, the first two episodes on Amazon. Oh, don't even, Leland. Um, we actually tried to watch Lord of the Rings the other week. Rings the of kids, Power. I think our oldest would like it. 
And I just, I'd never had seen them. And halfway through it, I was like, I just can't do this. Wait, did you watch the movies? Yeah, we watched the first oh. movie. The first movie like, is the hardest. I'm the out. first movie <laughs> is the hardest to get through. Now, I will say, how how old is Peyton? Just Rudy. Rudy belongs on a football field. Sure. How old is the, how old's the oldest? Ten. She just turned ten. Yeah, movie two and movie three might still be a little much. Oh, she can handle a lot. Okay. I, I'm just saying I've warned you. Episode, movie two and movie three are awesome. Movie one is a slog. That is yeah, a rough one to get through. I was trying. It's hard to get through. Movie two and movie three, much better. A lot more violence, much better. As Jim I, I'm says, I'm actually worried about my ten-year-old for this. My other ones might need to watch, not need to watch. It. Yeah, I was gonna say, as Jim says, am I gonna tell my child that violent video games are objectively better? No, <laughs> but like, am I gonna say the movies with more violence in Lord of the Rings are objectively better? I will. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought the show. I don't know. I I didn't read the Cimmerillion and the other book that apparently is tied to this um so i've enjoyed it i don't know apparently if you've read those you you may have issues i don't know i've enjoyed it so far okay, then. i think it's okay yeah i think it's good um but you probably are gonna want to watch the movies um yeah. i i'll give you this leland fellowship of the ring is tough tough but after you get through it Get to Two Towers, Return of the King. Good stuff. I, I have uh, one of my biggest problems is that I don't like uh, Elijah. Uh, what's his name? Elijah uh, Wood, the actor. Yeah. Elijah Wood. I don't like him. I don't I like him in anything but this, and I don't like Frodo. I'll be honest with you, I don't like Frodo. But this is not a surprise to you. I can watch movie franchises and not identify with the heroes. <laughs> yeah, that surprises me none. <laughs> how many times? How many times when we're watching when Star Wars is on? Do you get a text about <laughs> how great Darth Vader is? About the people who are really the heroes in that movie. Um. All right. So. Um. That being said, I don't really root for wow. the villains in Lord of the Rings, but I don't like Frodo. Holy crap! Uh. Big news, Pat McAfee is going to be on game day, full-time. I mean, that's not that surprising. It's, it's, a, it's a big get for ESPN in their numbers. Yeah, yeah. I, think it's, I think it's pretty surprising from the sports media stuff that I've listened to. Wow. I right. think ESPN uh, is realizing they need to get eyeballs. Yeah, I, I think they're missed. I think uh, this is a whole different topic we can talk about another time, but like they've let a lot of stars walk. I think yes. they're going to stop letting stars walk. Because the stars that they've held on to, I, I don't necessarily think have been the right calls a lot of times. All right. What I know that you need to know, this is going to be the Homerist segment of this podcast ever. So if you don't want to be here, maybe very Homer, just go ahead and. Uh, I can't. And, I have to record and, this. And log off. You know, you just just press just press record and walk away. Um, this is, I'm going to talk about a shiny toy here. My Riverheads. I'm going to relate my life around Riverheads here for a minute. They started this winning streak on September 22nd, 2018. And as soon as I read that date, it kind of stuck out my brain. I said, man, 
I feel like I've seen that date or something right around that date recently. That was the same weekend Virginia Tech lost to ODU the first time. And so then I was like, wow, Virginia Tech's been terrible this whole time since that's happened. And Wow, other things in football. I think my school that I went to that I still follow and I cheer for as politely as possible in the press box, I think this win streak has cost my other teams. I think it's all – it's Leland-centric universe here. And I think for Riverheads to win 52 games in a row, I've had to sacrifice my Hokies. Since then, my Hokies have not won more than eight games in any season. They missed a bowl game. And they've lost to Old Dominion twice and got hammered at home by Duke. And it's just weird that the loss to ODU then was the beginning of the streak. And the UVA streak ended. And the UVA streak ended at this time. That's even that's one of the better points. It's just absolutely gone after me. Then I think about my Steelers. My Steelers have not won a playoff game during this stretch. That is very different from my fandom of being a, of a, being a Steelers fan. It, they have not gone on stretches of that where they win no playoff games. They they have other they they haven't been as good. They haven't like they were so solid there for like. 12 years that it just kind of fell off here. They started the one season real good, but other than that, they, then it fell off and it was even more embarrassing. I think I've sacrificed the success of my other teams for the Riverheads to win, have this winning streak. So I don't know how I feel about that. I'm not ready to give all up that today. <laughs> I wouldn't mind to keep going for a little bit here, but uh, yeah, I think, I think I'm getting burned. I think the universe is after me. So that's, that's how I feel about this. I think what you'll take away from this is appreciation that I've turned this all about me and thinking that it's, you know, somehow my fault or something the universe has aimed at me to create this to happen. Um, no, I think this is probably the thing that makes the most sense when it comes to Virginia Tech's troubles. Um, it's my fault. Has been Riverhead's win streak. Um <laughs> <laughs> and while I guess I don't want it to have all been for nothing, so I guess I kind of hope they beat Lord Botetot, Uh You're gonna what make me you a, you're gonna make me a Stewart's draft fan, is what I'm telling you. Because um, <laughs> I I don't know if I want to sign up for another year of this. Um, as a Virginia Tech fan, yeah, it's something. It's something. How about that? That's a cool thing, though. That's a nice little fun fact, Leland. It's something you dive into when you start reading back all these numbers. When I was reading off those different dates and since how many years that Patrick Height, or when we were talking to Patrick Height, since Riverheads had lost at home or in playoff game at home or lost to a cluster team, that's that's what I found this. And uh, I could feel it. As soon as I thought it, I, I knew I was right. Man. Just think if we had would have Flinte back then. Look ended if Riverheads would have lost last week to Perry McClure. It could have been the beginning of the end as the Hokies lose to ODU, but it didn't happen that way. So I don't think it has a direct connection with ODU. So if um, if only Virginia Tech would have fired Fuente when they should have after the ODU game, we could have been in a lot better coach. Who, who would be our coach? I don't know. Who we'd probably be a lot better it? off. We'd be we'd probably be a lot better off. We'd be back in the positive. I all he did is make us go further down. I like Pry. I like that we have Pry. I like Pry. I, I, I think Pry is going to be fine. I just, you're going to have to give Pry time. He inherited. There's going to be other losses. A dumpster we don't like. fire. Yep. 
There's going to be other losses we don't like. Liberty is probably going to be one of them. This week. Against Boston College, yes. Gosh, I keep forgetting that's a game. Boston College, and then we play West Virginia. It's going to be another one we don't want to have, but we're going to get. Yeah, they. I, I as much as I didn't gain respect for Pitt in that game, I probably gained a little bit for West Virginia because they they were gamers in that game. They they, they were. wanted to win. They played. They played to win. They did. We don't have that in us. Our offense is bad. What I know that we you need to know is this is the end of the episode. We have uh, definitely gone on for quite a while. We're over two hours, so. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. Uh, Leland, I'll let you tell the people where they can find it and how to interact Yay. with us. Oh, we should. Jeff was pretty good. Well, Jeff was one for two on uh, his uh, always right predictions that he sent us. Yeah, the always right segment, and we're going to continue that. I'm sorry we didn't mention that in the in the bulk of it, but, yeah, the, we have an always right segment as long as he supplies us yeah. with uh, Leland didn't. I guess say. Leland going out on a limb is the Lions going to the playoffs. And uh, we didn't do the official Joe Stradamus. Um, I don't know if I have one. Yeah, I couldn't really come up with something. I was I was trying to be ready for you, and uh, yeah. the lines was really the only thing I had in my back pocket. Um, so uh, I'm dead on yeah, the Jeff inside Wright, after Virginia Tech. Jeff Wright made his picks, and he was one for two. Uh, we were all one for two. Cookies would win. Yeah, we were all one for two. I said draft would beat Waynesboro. I said uh, Virginia Tech would win. Stupid. I had thing. Fort. You had Fort. So you were one and zero. I think you only made one. Yeah, I think I only had one, but I I would have had Tech winning if I had needed to. Oh, gosh. Leland on a ledge with that. He had forty five seventeen Virginia over ODU. That's I'll pretty say, close. Yeah, we'll take that. Good for him. He said Virginia Tech thirty. <laughs> I wish Virginia Tech might not have 30 points after next week's game either. (laughs) Like our offense is bad. I don't. Yeah. I'm I I honestly, I kind of kept being coming back to being mad at Barber because Barber allowed me to stay this positive about tech. And it was just completely not good. I just, I'm going to take what my mom always told me. If I don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. I'm going to stop talking about Virginia Tech's offense. You're, you're finally going to listen to that advice? That's good. I'm going to stop Some points I feel like you go advice. after things that you don't have nothing nice to say about. Well, <laughs> I mean, look, Buster only needs to know how much he's hated. So. <laughs> All right. So if you want to hear more of this next week, maybe less time of it next week, at Yak Sports Pod uh, is how you interact with us to be a part of that. But you can also find us at Podbean, Apple, Google, or Spotify. Tell your friends what we're talking about. Hopefully this has shown to you that we talk about the sports that matter to you, the Augusta County sports fan. We do that every week. So we'll be back next week to talk about the results of the Lord Botetot Riverheads game, as well as all the other high school action, volleyball, and uh, the NFL getting started, and college. We'll be back next week to talk about it all. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.